That's my band. Drive Chef. Our first single. The beginning of everything great. You like it? Sure. What is? Feel sorry for you, mate. You think you're happy? You think you got it all? This, your life. You don't. <laughs> Maybe because none of it's real. All right, Mr. Hume. How about I offer you a choice? What's that? I can either show you what I'm talking about, or you can get out of the car. <laughs> Why in God's name would I want to get out? <laughs> to go back down the hatch it's the lost rewatch podcast here on post show recaps talking season six episode 11 happily ever after i'm josh wiggler holding the wheel as mike bloom for whatever reason is accelerating the gas driving us off the pier mike yes uh listen sometimes you just need to take a drive slash swim you want to multitask though i can imagine they actually cut some dialogue that desmond said once charlie drove the car into the ocean Oh, that's not very nice. <laughs> not very nice at no. all. Uh, Sideways Shrekman. What do you think uh, Sideways Shrekman's life is like? Uh, I think... Oh, that's him, a good him question. And, him and uh, Prince Farquaad are having a hell of a time. Yeah, that's the thing. I think him and Lord Farquaad are hugging it out, right? He spurns Fiona. Uh, he eats the donkey, I would imagine. He has to bring uh, the gingerbread man to a concert. Yes, but and he loves all other Smash Mouth songs except for All Star. <laughs> like he opens his day to Walking on the Sun instead. <laughs> so stupid, Josh. Don't delay. Act now. Supplies are running out. We're in the final few weeks of season six. Unreal. We are. We're getting really close to the end here. Uh, the loopier uh, we, you know, the closer <laughs> to the end, the loopier we've gotten for sure. Uh, it's happily ever after. It's the Desmond episode of season six. Uh, I do think for the most part, we are we are in, uh, uh, I think, safe territory for the rest of the season, as far as I'm concerned, especially having done Across the Sea early on. Uh, I think most of these I will like more than I don't, uh, if not outright love some of these ones. And I know that a lot of people love Happily Ever After. I don't I don't adore this episode the way that some people do. We will give voice to that when we when we get deeper in. Uh, but I really do enjoy this one. And it's it's great to check in with a bunch of old uh, familiar faces. Really fun to see Sideways Charlie, Sideways Daniel uh, Fedora Day. Uh, uh, you know, that's really great. Um, Penny is so good. Sonia Walger is just awesome in the little amount of time that we get from her in this episode. She's so good. Um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a really fun episode of the show. Uh, you know, I, ha- I have some quibbles with it that'll hold it back a little bit. I hate basically all the on-island stuff. 
mm. I pretty much loathe. Um, but the sideways stuff is is really, really, really fun. A great Henry and Cusick performance. Uh, a strong episode of the show. I would just stop short of classifying it, uh, you know, in the same quality range as the other Desmond episodes for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say... Catch-22 is still something that I think I am and the community of Hatchlings are lower on than you are. I know that that very much has, like, fun hangout vibes. It's not necessarily to say that this episode has that, but I think, you know, good friend of the podcast, Riley, wrote something in about how he feels this episode is kind of a vibes episode for him, where inexplicably, there's not really a term for it, but, like, he just really gets a good feeling watching the episode. And I agree And it's because, to be candid, I know that I liked the stuff last week, for example, in The Flash Sideways, but this is an incredibly important, and I'd argue well done, episode for The Flash Sideways. It's going to contextualize and mythologize a lot of important stuff to the endgame, including the actual art of waking up and the cinematography behind it. It's going to... You know, now start off another arc of another chapter of the Flash Sideways, if you will. Now Desmond sort of being the Moses coming down from the mountain on high with this new purpose to to make everyone remember who they are. So not only that, I think that the Flash Sideways so far has been a fun little wink and nod right towards like, oh, these are these characters running into other characters. Uh, Like, what would they imagine for themselves in this afterlife? But this truly feels like the first time a character is sort of making the rounds uh, of some incredibly important characters in, if not his life, at least the time we've spent with him on Lost. Like, it's very much condensed here in Charlie. I mean, you mentioned them all. Charlie, Penny, Charles Winmore, I think you could put Eloise Hawking in there, Daniel Faraday, hell, even Minkowski. I know that some people sort of brag about him. I love Minkowski in this episode, I just have to say. And I'm coming from this, uh, you know, before it would be I was watching Succession and be like, oh, Minkowski's on Succession. And now I'm watching Happily Ever After and I go, oh, it's Hugo from Succession. It's not Hugo Reyes. This is different Hugo. Uh, Lost meets you where you are. And sometimes uh it's recognizing other people. Like I uh, was watching The White Lotus the other day, and who should be knocking on Jennifer Coolidge's door but Roger Linus himself, know, John yeah. Grease. <laughs> yep, 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 for sure. Uh, yeah, it, so, so, it, so, it, so all yeah. that to say, I, I think it's a really fun episode that I think does a great job of summing up what The Flash Sideways is, and I'll get into more of that point as we talk through the episode, but I think if people want an explanation or just need, you know, uh, a question answered of, oh, so what's what's so appealing about The Flash Sideways? To be candid, I would really point people towards this episode and say, this is what The Flash Sideways is. This is why it's so important. Because I think it does a really great job of a sort of phase shifting the entire narrative concept while also underlining from an emotional and character-based perspective how important it is. Yeah, I think that that's fair. There are some things about the sideways that are still just uh, stuck in my craw that I know I need to kind of get past uh, to a certain degree. I'm going to have to... Someone's going to have to explain to me how the hell uh, Desmond and Charlie wind up in the water. (laughs) I just don't get it. Charlie grabs the wheel. He swerves the car. And Desmond, instead of just immediately, you know, hitting the brakes, being like, whoa, what are you doing? Touching the wheel, trying to get us, trying to get us killed. He goes with it. He he slams the gas. What are you doing? But I think when you realize that this is an ethereal plane, and this is somewhere akin to a dream, sometimes verging on nightmare. 
you know, sometimes things just happen. Uh, but mm-hmm. it is, uh, for whatever reason, I need to start being able to make more logic leaps with the sideways. And I'm getting hung up on on particulars when I can't be, um, uh, I, I need to get immersed in the feeling more than the logic stuff. Because this is not a place that makes sense. This is a place that makes you feel feel or at least that's what it ought to be and yet i still find myself with some of these hang-ups but this is also maybe no coincidence mike this particular issue that i have which is a really weird singular issue that i have is uh when they drive off the pier and there's really no reason that uh that they that desmond should be accelerating the vehicle this is how i feel but this is my biggest hang-up in the dark night is when Hmm. is when harvey dent flips the coin uh, after uh, uh, Eric Roberts says, it was Ramirez. Uh, Mm. And Harvey Dent flips the coin and he doesn't shoot Eric Roberts, but he flips the coin again and then uh, he shoots the driver and he's still in the car as the car flips over and careens, presumably killing Eric Roberts. But Harvey Dent just walks away. Uh, Anyway, I don't know. I get really (laughs) mad about that. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's that is a, a detail of the Dark Knight. I, that I don't so think I've ever that. heard. I get so upset about up. it. Hey, you get really hung up on car accidents. I, I think, Josh, I you guess. might in a different and it, sideways. Josh Wegler, I think, is like an insurance appraiser because yeah. you were just really focused in on car accidents. I do have a couple of theories as to uh, what could have happened with the car. We can talk about them now or save them for the recap proper. Okay, we can get into it when we get into the recap proper. Is probably the appropriate place for it. <laughs> uh, I don't want that to to color our entire thing and also we've got a schedule to maintain schedule yes thank you uh all right thank you uh oh no 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 (laughs) one of those phrases ruined or potentially boosted by down the hatch oh no i guess my response would be you're welcome but i feel there's some sort of sexual tinge behind that as well oh my god all right this is down the hatch you know what you're getting (laughs) uh we're gonna do the recap we'll get into the feedback and everything and we still want your star ratings down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com that's the email address address down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com you can also tweet at us at a mike bloom type is mike bloom i am at round howard you can commune with us as well in the poster recaps patron discord uh which you can sign up for at patreon.com slash recaps sign up at the five dollar level and you're getting discord access sign up at the ten dollar level you're getting full discord access it's a huge sprawling community beyond that five dollar level but at that five dollar level you get to join mike bloom and i for uh live watches of season six of lost every monday night at 8 p.m eastern we had a really great crowd this past (laughs) week uh it was it was super fun mike and i uh, ended up in a very loopy place where uh last week we put out the call we said is anyone interested in a heroes rewatch is that something that people and we got an avalanche of responses like uh, no no kidding we Uh, were stunned by the amount of feedback of people saying oh yeah you should absolutely do this it was a it was a real surprise, and so then Mike and I ended up just uh, very loopily talking about heroes for like twenty minutes, uh, and just rattling off 
uh, for me, buried treasure that I yeah, had completely it, no, forgotten. It really was like you and I for 15 minutes munching on member berries, being uh-huh. like, oh, remember Matt Parkman mm-hmm. and uh, Molly, the little girl that could track people? I don't think we talked about Molly. I think we missed Molly. Yeah. Uh, we got into Mohinder Suresh and Peter Petrelli and Nathan Petrelli and all of the various Nathan Petrellis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we really got into it and had a really fun time. And I think solidified for each other that we could cert- we could certainly do it. Will we do it is another question, but could we do it for sure? That's uh, yeah, that that question has been answered at least. Uh, so that was really fun. Uh, those are not recorded; they're just live experiences. It's in the post show recaps patron Discord. You sign up at the five dollar level. You show up Monday nights at eight p.m. Eastern. We're thinking it's probably going to be a little bit later for this coming episode. So just so you're aware, I think it'll probably be closer to nine p.m. Eastern coming up for everybody loves Hugo. Uh, most likely at this point. So that's going to be coming your way uh, on. Thanks thanksgiving week uh so if you want to hang out with us we would love to see you there patreon.com slash post show recaps we'll, we'll at talk turkey literally the entire preamble and post and will be josh and i talking in turkey about no, our we're thoughts gonna be on talking, the episode we're gonna be talking chicken because it's everybody loves hugo oh we're that's true mr clucks unless in the sideways it was uh you know fried turkey what is that, Mr. Gobble? Mr. Gobbles. Yeah, yeah. So we talk about Mr. I Gobbles. I don't want to say thank you to Mr. Gobbles. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. Well, thank you, Mike Bloom, for that lovely segue. Uh, we're going to get into the episode proper in just a minute. First, we will throw it to our sponsors, as we always do at this point and Down the Hatch. One quick ad break. We will be back with the recap on the other side of it. Stay tuned. All right, Mike, let's go forth into the jungle. Let us discuss happily ever after. Uh, look at this powerhouse team. It's a Jack Bender directed episode. It's Lindelof and Cuse with the writing credit. And it's mm. a Desmond Hume centric. Uh, oh. There's no way this can be anything other than a really good episode of Lost. That's the thing. I often feel like with Darlton, they're very much like, you know, Thanos at the end of Avengers Age of Ultron, right? The fine, I'll do it myself motto. Uh, Not that they don't have, you know, reliance in their crew, but I do think there are certain things where they're like, all right, we want to make sure we take care of this particular episode because as has been mentioned and as I'll mention many times over the course of this episode, incredibly important episode to the end game of the show. Not necessarily on Island, which we unfortunately have to start with and end with, but uh. in terms of the Flash Sideways, this brand new baby in our lives, uh, it starts to walk here. It's just been crawling around and sort of rolling and trying to do tummy time. Now it's starting to take its first steps towards something. It's starting to, uh, we're starting to blend the picture a little bit here, Mike, uh, as we're starting to walk between worlds. And I think it is mostly really fun. Um, there are some ways where I feel like they're being a little tricksy, you know, still really leaning into the, this is an alternate reality caused by mm. the nuclear bomb stuff, uh, that I think only plays well in that regard for <laughs> one time. Um, yeah. and that's a problem that i have with this episode is i don't think it's a great rewatch episode for me um you know like i i get it that for faraday his afterlife experience would certainly still be fairly uh hooked on did this work did i do something but i feel like the way that eloise hawking is going to talk about all of this stuff feels kind of unfair to the reality of what this place actually is i don't know i guess we'll get there when we get there but those are sort of my uh initial hang-ups just to lay them out before we start talking about the episode in its entirety 
Yeah, I mean, let me also say that the writing of this episode, despite it being a Darlton joint, is not the strongest, uh, especially compared to a lot of these other Desmond episodes, which, as you mentioned before, might be, I mean, I guess we'll sort of do this research maybe after the fact, uh, but I would imagine that if you're talking about which characters have the highest average of centric episodes, it's probably between Desmond and Ben, right? Unless we're counting, like, one-off characters, like Richard Alpert might automatically be number one, but I don't right. know if we if we strike that from the record. That feels unfair, yeah. Yeah, but, like, it's it's an incredibly high quality just because of the, str- the strong character that Desmond is, right? You are looping in uh, quite literally sometimes these really heady sci-fi elements from the brain perspective with the heart perspective of the romanticism of Desmond Hume and yeah. the the sheer humanity behind it that makes him such a relatable character. Here it's tough because we're going into a universe where he is not that person and they will make mention of this multiple times. Uh, I would say, you know, uh, if you want to... I don't know, uh, take a sip of something every time someone on the show says, like, you live the perfect life. Right. You don't have any friends or family. You think you're happy. Uh, at that point, you would have to go to the bathroom yes. very, very soon. Because that is something they really like to lean on. And I would say that you would imagine that in their sixth season, Darlton would not lean on those tropes as much along with like you said maybe leaning into these red herrings to lead people along on the first watch but here i do feel like again the emotional and thematic content outweighs what i would consider some probably b plus writing from some a plus writers got you i think that that's fair um well let's hop into it because when we begin the episode we start out uh we start out on hydra island and it ain't great as far as I'm concerned, uh, but we got it. We got to get through it. So let's just. Uh, you want to start with the sound? Should we start with the sound? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because just- this the the first two and a half minutes of this episode is the first sound. It's Desmond waking up, realizing where he is, yeah. and realizing the person who brought him here is uh, the man he hates most in his life. Mister Hume, my name is Zoe. I know you're disoriented. You've been unconscious for the last three days. But you're off the IV sedation now, and I've just given you a shot to help you wake up. Are you a nurse? You're not in the hospital anymore, Mr. Hume. We had to move you. Move me? Move me where? Where's my wife? No, wait, Miss, Miss... No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. I want to see Penny. I'm afraid that's not going to be possible, Desmond. <laughs> you. Oh, Mr. Easy, Hill? easy. Oh, so I'll take it from here. Desmond. What happened to me? Where am I? You were shot by Benjamin Linus. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember. I want to talk to Penny. Penny! She's not here. But I assure you, both she and your son are perfectly safe. I'm really sorry for taking you away from them, but I didn't have a chance to explain. And if I had, you never would have come with me. Come with you. Come with you, where? I brought you back to the island. 
cannot imagine how you must be feeling. But if you'll give me a chance to explain. <laughs> Don't hurt him. You take me back. You take me back. Right now you're here. I can't take him back. The island isn't done with you yet. That's the scream. <laughs> um, I was watching... Uh... I was watching Everybody Loves Hugo yesterday. I'm trying to get ahead of it again, Mm -hmm. uh, because I do think that the final season plays better when you watch it fast, so I'm trying to pick up my pace uh, personally. So I got through the last recruit uh, as of this recording. I think I will have rewatched the rest of the final season before we talk again next week is my prediction. Um, And so I was watching Everybody Loves Hugo, and that's the one where uh, John Loki throws Desmond in the well. (laughs) And Desmond has another one of those, ah, <laughs> the Henry Ian Cusick scream is really, really, really I, great. I think this should be the new Wilhelm scream, personally, yeah. the H.I.S. of, ah, <laughs> is really great. I get it, man. Dude, I get it. And when he finds out that he's back on the island, the, the lip twitch is so good. Oh. The look on his face of, oh, you didn't is exceptionally wonderful. Uh, yeah. Really, really, really good. Th- this is, I mean, it's a great Desmond scene, especially compared to, I mean, again, this is like a lot of Desmond episodes. It's a really great way to show off Hugh Henry Ian Cusick is as an actor in terms of showing his emotional rage, where here it is like delirium slash like, I don't know, a little bit of pitifulness of like, I just want to see my wife, where's yeah. Penny? Uh, to when he hears, I'm afraid that won't be possible anymore. Which, uh, you know, Desmond has heard many, many times from this man to, like you said, when Widmore reveals that he brought him back to the island, you just, he, you see him quiver. And then he farkuses Charles Widmore for a hot second with the IV stand. Uh, so it's, he it's like a punches big... the IV stand. He like punches the IV stand into Widmore, which felt to me like a tactical mistake. Just punch him straight out. Just hit yeah. Him. I don't know, maybe he thought the IV would explode all over him or something, and then he get covered in intravenous goo to add insult to injury, I suppose. But yeah, Winmore's gonna tell Venus goo. <laughs> intravenous <laughs> goo. That's my drag name. IVG. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh so uh the Winmore though is going to tell him something that he heard once before by uh, his sort of estranged lover. But did not want to hear again that the island is not done with you yet. Oh, no, it's not. It's really, really not done with him yet. Uh, and he he hates that. Um, so we'll we'll check back in with Dez ah! in a little while. Ah! Uh, I, I, can somebody please cut a clip of Lucy pulling the football away from Charlie uh-huh, Brown yeah. and Charlie Brown doing the Henry and Cusick scream? I, I mean, I would love to see a bunch of Charlie Brown scenes recut with Desmond's. Ah! <laughs> yeah like the, uh, the baseball Brown. hits him and his clothes fall off yeah i think that desmond as the uh as the charlie brown of lost works sort of i would say it's Locke, more john Locke. yeah john Locke. i think not only the lack of hair but yeah, also sure. like the fact that nobody seems to like him and everything uh, bad happens there to was him also that time that um pig pen convinced uh charlie brown uh to to leave uh, town and die 
Uh, and then mm-hmm. he came back and Pigpen walked around in Charlie Brown's likeness. And everyone yeah, thought he exa- was Charlie Brown. Exactly. Uh, but he got a rock, a black rock for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the joke being that Pigpen is uh, the smoke monster of the peanuts because it's always covered yeah. in dust yeah. and dirt. Remember when Charlie Brown's dad pushed him out an eight-story window? That, that was, was really That was a dark up. episode. Yeah, that was a really was, dark episode of Peanuts. That was really wild when Charlie Brown showed up to his dad's house <laughs> and was like, you're going to call off the wedding right now. You are you killed that boy. And Charlie Brown's dad goes, and Charlie Brown says, you mean I could use the, I could call him right now and they would tell me that you called it off Uh, and then he pushes him out the window yeah Yeah. but there was a really sweet scene though where charlie brown uh is able to blow up the 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 entrance of the doghouse and happens to find snoopy there shining a light on him who knew no they needed each other on that day so uh, desmond is the snoopy of lost is good i I think so uh or maybe that maybe frank lapidus considering he's a world war ii flying yeah he's a pilot uh so Jin, uh who is kind of a fly on the wall here for some of (laughs) this remember Jin? Jin is kind of stuck here at the moment there is actually no reason that Jin is here other than to prolong the reunion with him and son. That's the only reason, by yeah. the way. That, that, and he is supposed to sort of be an audience analog here, right? Of like, what's going on? I guess. Who are you? I what guess. is this? But, but it do, do, it does, do it's nothing. not needed. They do nothing with this. Uh, so he's here. He wants to know why Desmond's here. Uh, Widmore says it would be easier to show than tell. Let's do the experiment right now. And Zoe says, but it isn't scheduled until tomorrow. And Widmore corrects her. He says, I know when it's scheduled. Uh, the yeah. passive aggressive scheduled is amazing. Uh, almost, almost enough to give Widmore an MVP point if he wasn't such a douche. So it's very clear now, furthering our theory that he ran out of money and really had to slum it. Cause I would imagine he would only want to hire European workers, right? So, cause I feel like there's right. a little bit of derision there of like, I have to hire Americans. Yeah. Who can't even say scheduled, right? Yeah. My God! My God! Uh, but but put her in charge of my operations. Oh God! Here we go. Okay, so Zoe takes Jin outside and brings him to where the experiments are going to be conducted. Yeah. We, we we see a giant carted off uh, crate, not too dissimilar from the beginning of Jurassic Park. Yes, yeah. shoot her. Uh, and here's Seamus, who is just spouting out all of this stupid science chart. Okay, let's see where we are. Is the is the Geiger meter up to speed? Okay, <laughs> can we please make sure that that's going on my count? Power on now. Grow, <gasps> there's a faulty contact. Somebody find it. And stupid little Bunny Engstrom, you're going in there next. I hate, I hate, I hate him. I hate him. I hate Seamus <sighs> so much. I hate him so much. Oh my God. Oh my God, I hate him. I, I love this impression of Seamus as like Winmore's Rick or Morty. I'm like, whoa, whoa, I don't oh, know geez, about Charles, this. I don't know. Oh, jeez, Mr. Winmore. This wasn't a good idea. No, you know what it is? It's he's like evil Morty. He's evil Morty mm. because he has he has the bravado of a Rick. Uh, he has Rick levels of confidence and not the typical self-loathing, self-doubting, insecure Morty. But he has the other other than that, he's got the Morty vibe. Uh, and he's the one who's responsible for doing the experiment. Uh, OK. All right, I guess. Yeah. So if if Zoe explained uh, last episode, right, that she was a geophysicist, 
I guess is Seamus supposed to be like our local electromagnetic expert? I guess. I suppose. I guess. Uh, but he's also somebody that they send on the field assignments. He goes out there yeah. with guns to collect Jin Kwan. So he's outriggering across the sea from Hydra to Main Island. Um, he's picking up Desmond from the submarine. So he is just a utility player of some variety. And it's it's garbage, to be completely honest with you, Mike. It's just trash. And any episode that is going to feature Seamus in as prominent a role as he is featured here in the first, uh, the first scene of this, uh, of this episode or one of the first scenes of this episode, it's for me, it's automatically ruled out of a 4.2. Uh, like this, <laughs> this stuff, this stuff for me personally, I get it if that's not for everybody, but this stuff sucks. Uh, everything with the experiment is, and then there's a guy who just kind of wanders in there and then they bring the thing back online while the guy's in there. Yeah, but not, but not they. Like, I know that you, you shunt a lot of blame onto Samus, but there's this stupid ass sure. who's like, I'm oh, talking about okay. the, the entire Every, crew, you know? Everyone looks fine. Turn it up. And this guy gets fried. Yes. Yes. Uh, unbelievable. He's dead. He's just uh, totally destroyed. And then Widmore brings Desmond along. Zoe, I'll be ready. It's like, well, a man did just die, but sure. Yes, we're ready. And then, and Widmore's like, no, look, I know this might look weird. Yeah. You know, a man just died. We're putting you in this, but I'm sure you'll be good. You know what? So it wasn't scheduled until tomorrow, and then everybody had to rush, right? It was a rush job to get things ready for tonight because th- the timetable has accelerated because things have gotten really dangerous with the man in black showing up it's on war. Hydra and everything. It's war, yes. Um, so I get all of that. Maybe, Charles, things would have been ready sooner if you didn't send Seamus and Zoe to do all of your dirty laundry errands. Uh, That's like the thing. Them... Like, they, like Seamus probably could have had boss. M- more, yeah, more time to dedicate to getting this 20-year-old generator online yeah. rather than being like, okay, you must now go over to the main island and put on your spooky, stupid spy goggles and look at what's going on. Yeah. ay 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 unbelievable anyway uh so they take the body out he's covered in a in you know in a sheet and then widmore says stop let me look at him and he looks at the guy's charred face and then puts the cover back on we trying to humanize charles widmore (laughs) right now mike is that what's happening no i think he wants to see if it's anyone i think he wants to see if it's anyone important and then when it's not he's like okay that's fine yeah uh, maybe, is, this, is this one of my many children? Yeah. I always love to look on a child. Oh, wait a minute, Josh. Mike, what if he staffed his group with all of his illegitimate children? Jeez, oh, that's dark. Oh, that's Zoe so dark. is his illegitimate child. No. Seamus is his illegitimate <laughs> no. child. Yeah, this is all nepotism. Um, <laughs> Then I love this because at least this ends up being a near extinction level event for the Widmore line. <laughs> yeah, the Widmore family tree gets hacked to pieces. Yeah, very close, very close. All but Penny uh, are going to be taken out of here. Sure, fine. I think that there was some chatter. Uh, I forget who was saying this during the live watch uh, that someone's headcanon was uh, Seamus as Rosinski's son. Oh, yeah, I know. I came up with that, that oh, Seamus is, because uh, I was like, oh, what is Seamus? Like, he's uh, he Seamus knows his Rosinski? way around an electromagnetic. 
maybe Seamus is like a relative of Stuart Radziski. Let's have that. Let's put let's rubber stamp that. <laughs> send it to Samoa. That's fine. I'm good with yeah, that. I, I wonder uh, how close those two will be to each other on the LVP count at the end of the day. I don't know. I'm piling on him. Uh, Dogan is shook. Uh, so Charles Woodmore tells Desmond that if everything he's heard about him is true, he's going to be fine. Uh, we're doing this little test, Des. Uh, we're going to ask you to make a sacrifice. Desmond says, what do you know about sacrifice? And Charles says, I've got no relationship with my daughter. My son was sent here to die. I've never met my grandson. And all of that is for nothing if you don't help me. And Desmond doesn't take a beat here to be like, wait, you've got a son? (laughs) This is news to uh, me. Maybe this was like in the the three years since. Maybe he sat down for another chat with Eloise Hawking and and she let him know. Yeah, this is... Again, this is Charles Winmore trying to, like, guilt people using his faulted logic, right? We spoke about this a bit last week, right, when he's like, oh, I have a daughter, too. Uh, yes, I can understand, and we talked about this in The Variable, the tragedy, more so on Eloise's sake, but maybe on Charles Winmore's as well, the idea of his own son end up dying to, for the sake of preserving this timeline. But, dude... You could have your cake and eat it too a little bit with Penny. Like yes. you didn't have to necessarily be that no. much of an a hole to your daughter. You really and didn't. then blame and then blame the island for it. Yeah, yeah, not great. Uh, all this is for nothing if Desmond doesn't help. So they lock him in here. He starts trying to break free. Jin is frantic. He's like, "What are you doing to Desmond? That's Desmond. You can't do this." <laughs> and Charles says, "Desmond is the only person that I know of." to survive a catastrophic electromagnetic event. And he's going to need to do it again, or we will uh, And all, all the die. other ones that were there in the moment are dead now, so we can't pull on them. Um, so, Widmore's plan, um, because he's going to die before, and, and Desmond's going to leave here before anything yeah. really starts to happen, but let me see if I've got this. This is my headcanon, at least. Widmore is going to make sure that Desmond can withstand a ton of electromagnetic energy and sustain exposure to that level of electromagnetic energy so he can be submerged into the center of the island, uncork the island, therefore mortalizing the man in black and making him killable, uh, and then uh, ideally plugging the cork back up. Is that the Widmore plan? I really like that. I think that's better than what I had in mind, which is just, hey, if if this dude ends up unplugging the island, we have someone that we could bring in to plug it back in. Uh, but I like that idea much more, especially with why he would bring in all these gun-toting mercs, even if we question their resumes of, okay, we uncork it, man in black turns mortal, then we shoot him. Though, again... This brings up the question we brought up last week of, okay, how much of what he heard is through the ghost stories and myths? And how much does he really know about what happened to the man in black and, you know, how killable he can be if the island spirit is released? Right. You know, maybe maybe somehow, some way, some of this information has has trickled down. I don't know. Loose lips sink ships. And we've seen a lot of people in the others (laughs) seem to have some bits of relevant information. So maybe Charles knows some stuff. Maybe this is part of the Charles Wood more plan and also that jacob is the one who said i need to get widmore here you know so maybe he knows that this is going to be the widmore plan uh so this is not a bad plan oh, to, to could, could it be that because we know that again i think our head canon is that jacob had or one of the aojs had some sort of conversation with charles widmore off island to sort of turn him over to this side of okay we need to go to the island and stop the man in black could this be jacob's idea yeah could be 
Uh, in that case, then it, then it would make sense because he obviously knows. Well, he's going to tell you know he's going to tell them later on that he's trying to find the heart of the island and all of this stuff, and you got to get there first. So you know, I think that Jacob knows that the that the way to this is the place that the man in black was born anyway, right? You know, uh, right. go go back to the source, uh, and that's where we're gonna where we're gonna do this. All right, anyway, so Desmond's gonna get blasted with the stuff. Th- this was an interesting effect because I'm trying to remember back to the fail safe key. I feel like what we saw there was not like this, which is supposed to be a similar electromagnetic cataclysm. Uh, here, these two solenoid coils grow yellow, almost like the heart of the island. And there's this weird effect where, like, some particles seem to be, like, almost trailing off of Desmond. So I'm not sure, like, maybe this generator is a little different because maybe it's actually running off of the power of the heart of the island. Yeah, I like that. Uh, it's at least trying to mimic that, I think. Um, it is so visually distinct from all of the other electromagnetic stuff that we've seen. I wish yes. that there was some more consistency with that. I think that sort of the sing-songy golden light that we get from the heart of the island and what we therefore get in this scene does not feel visually consistent with the electromagnetic energy that's been a little bit more of, you know, purple sky incident, big flashes of white light. Um, I think that I would have preferred if they had stayed the course with that and that that's what we were seeing here and that that's what we get at the end of the show as well, which would, frankly, even be more thematically consistent with the show of one is light, (laughs) the other is dark. (laughs) One Um, is white, the other is black, a third is yellow at some point. Yeah, sometimes it's gold. Uh, So, anyway, minor complaint not a huge one uh we go to the sideways and we will spend the vast majority of the rest of the episode here as desmond is standing in front of uh the oceanic air terminal uh kind of looking at his own reflection as we are wont to do here in the sideways <laughs> could you imagine if he pulls a sawyer and just smashes the departure the departure arrivals board i love that uh hurley walks by says go to carousel four it's a lost number. You can't miss it. Um, so he does that. And here is Claire and Desmond and Claire are going to have the following conversation. Sound number two. Thank you so much. Pleasure. You got any more bags? No, uh, that's, that's it. Thank God. Boy or a girl? I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to pry. Oh, no, no, it's, it's fine. I just, um, I don't know what it is. All right. Well, you're braver than I, you know. I'm not a big fan of surprises. <laughs> oh, excuse me. That's fine. So, have you got someone meeting you? Yeah, I, I don't know, maybe they got the white smith's up or something. Because I've got a car picking me up. You know, if you need a ride, I'd be more than happy to give you a lift. Oh, no, no, that's, um, that's really sweet of you, but I'm, I'm good. Oh. Cabs, so. All right, uh, well, it was nice meeting you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. A boy. What? Better it's a boy. You got a boy, Claire. Did he say ya boy again? Ya boy. Ya boy, Soya. <laughs> I'm guessing it's ya boy. Soya. Yeah, I think, I think you know, not a lot of things made its way over to the Flash sideways version of Desmond, but I think his penchant to say ya boy might have crossed over. Uh... Desmond, uh, less so in this episode, more coming up in The Last Recruit, is a little creepy to sideways Claire, I feel like. 
<laughs> yeah, like, there's one thing to make small talk. Look, I, I try to, you know, make my best small conversations while I'm doing things like waiting at the baggage claim, but, man. Do you really, Mike? Are you the kind of guy that you'll talk to strangers at baggage claim? If it takes an inordinate amount of time, and certainly, like like Desmond, I'll maybe help people if it feels like they are being burdened uh, by trying to grab all the luggage, especially someone who who might be pregnant. So I, I try to do that. You know, there's so many humans in the world. I want to know their stories. I would not necessarily say, pregnant lady, come get in a car with me. Yeah. Uh, but I guess that, that's Desmond's charitability that only comes from a former monk. I don't know. Anyway, in Desmond's car, it's Minkowski. I just, I, I love Minkowski. What were you doing down under? Is what he says to Desmond. It's so trashy. Uh, yeah. He's like, you looking to get banged? I know everyone in LA. I can yeah. get you banged. Minkowski basically <laughs> says like, hey, Desmond, you want to go see a whore? Yeah. Do you want to have <laughs> Sex with a whore, Desmond Hume. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Desmond, I'll take you anywhere. You want to get banged? I'll get you banged. Uh, you looking for some company? I don't see a wedding band. Lots of ladies. Uh, yeah, it's weird. He's almost like the uh, a, a creepy version of Argyle from Die Hard, right? Uh, like, imagine him hang, hanging out with the big teddy bear. You know, it's so it's so gross. And for some reason, I just George Minkowski as Desmond's sideways guy. Uh kills me every time one of my favorite parts of this episode is the use of uh fisher stevens fisher uh, stevens he's but he's also doing like <laughs> i didn't pull any of these clips but he's kind of is like the way he delivers his lines though is a bit of like a low rent jeff fahey in my opinion yeah. like i could very easily see a world where jeff fahey plays this part and he plays the driver not only from an occupational perspective but like the way he says certain things, like, uh, he says, like, oh, yeah, later on, that is very much in a Lapidus-like way. But thematically speaking, I know that obviously the much bigger character connections are soon to come, but I actually like Minkowski a bit as the driver here, because Minkowski did play a fairly pivotal role in The Constant, right, to show Desmond, like, that there are other people that could go through with this, and the path he might have gone down had he not found his Constant. So, I think his inclusion in this episode, as strange as it was, I do think it makes sense if we're talking about through these various episodes, why is this person playing this role? I think having Minkowski as the one to kind of guide Desmond through all this, uh, not from a sage perspective, but from more of a literal perspective, makes sense to me. They're nosebleeding bros, you know? They were both in the <laughs> constant together, bleeding from the noses, you know? They were they were there. They were, you know, uh the the time travel chaps, you know? Like these they're these uh the love lads, you know, they were together through all of that. Uh so I I don't mind Minkowski being here at all. Uh and I I think Fisher Stevens does a, a really fun job just infusing uh Minkowski with huge uber goon uh energy. Uh, or I guess it's a lift, right? That's what Desmond offered Claire, a lift, not yeah. an Uber. Um, <laughs> so, uh, dad jokes, Colin Robin Akiva. Uh, so Minkowski is going to be the driver. Big energy. His, his character in succession, Hugo, is sort of very similar, kind of a fixer for Logan Roy and the Roy family and, and Waystar Royco. And I feel like there is a, there is a line to be drawn between Sideways Minkowski and Hugo on succession. So very fun, uh, dating this a little bit as we are recording this podcast in the middle of the airing of season three of 
succession. Um, so Desmond goes to Charles Widmore's L.A. office. Uh, they hug it out. It's a big moment because this is, you know, what? very but different. But they hated yeah. each other. Exactly. Uh, it's very, this, very this, different. This is their no marry moment, right? Yeah. Of like, yeah. things are clearly very different here. Uh, clocking some of the decor from Charles Widmore's office, of course, we have the big-ass sailboat in the background. But I also noticed a painting. It's not a schooner, it's a sailboat. Exactly. Schooner is a sailboat. <laughs> and if you look a certain way, you can see it within the 3D painting that's on the other side of his office. Yes. Uh, no, the, the other painting I noticed, uh, bring on Ethan Souplé for that role, uh, yes. is, is the, uh, a painting <laughs> My name of... Is Earl. Yeah. Oh, don't, don't get <laughs> me started. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but a painting of... Uh, I think it's supposed to be the scales of justice, but very much calling back to, you know, what was in the cave, right? And I think it's one of these things, much like a picture of the island was in uh, Principal Reynolds' office in Dr. Linus of just this iconography po- popping up in different places that none of the characters, even the ones who have it in their own offices, realize. Yes. Uh, compelling stuff here. Uh, I wonder how much uh, is there Jack Bender art in here, probably, right? Mm-hmm. Secret yeah, Bender maybe there's art. some of the graffiti from the, the hatch. Secret Bender aren't in here. Um, all right. Uh, I was going to try and do a Bender from Futurama impression with my instincts, but I don't have one ready. But uh, bite my yeah, electromagnetic no. ass. Yes, exactly. That's it. All right. Let's listen to sound number three. This is going to be uh, Desmond and Charles uh, talking a little bit more. We will get a sense of their relationship. Sound three. I don't give a bloody damn what he did or how much it's going to cost. Just get him arraigned and get him out of there. Sorry, Desmond. Looks like our celebration of the Australian deal is going to have to be cut short. You are aware that my son is a musician? Yes. But he's quite talented. Yeah, he is. Quite. Anyway, my wife is putting together one of her charity events, and uh, the boy had a crazy idea to combine classical music with modern rock. Have you heard of a band called Driveshaft? No, can't say how. Their bass guitarist overdosed and uh, got himself arrested. And now, if I don't get this junkie to my wife's event, she will, simply put, destroy me. So you want me to babysit him? I know it's beneath you, but I need someone I can trust to do the job right. Say no more, Charles. It's done. You really do have the life, son. No family, no commitments. Ah, to be free of attachments. I'm a blessed man, sir. No. It is I who am blessed to have you in my employ. A drink to celebrate your indispensability. That's your 60-year-old scotch, Charles. Nothing's too good for you. Slanger. And so, uh, what Charles... That, what was that what he said? What did he say at the end there? I think he said slancha, which I think is uh, like Gaelic. It's like a Gaelic cheers. Slancha. Uh, Wow. I believe. But yeah, Charles Winmore asks Desmond to go babysit Charlie, and Desmond replies, Fine! <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. Uh, sideways Shrekman, ready to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so I was trying to draw this parallel. I'm still not entirely sure about their working relationship, but is Jin to Mr. Paik what Desmond is to Widmore at this point? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a there's a parallel. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't sure. think I don't think Desmond's you know Lost, uh, trying Lost to really doesn't try to develop that out with Jin and Paik to the extent that they they probably could have. I think that they mm-hmm. devote that energy to some other characters, and I and I do think that that's a shame. I think that uh, you know we've talked about it before. I think not, not a shame as yeah. Oh, don't don't you start. I, I think that you know <laughs> not giving us a little bit more of Mister Paik and then therefore the Quan connection to the island is a big missed opportunity uh for the show and something that could have happened i feel like i mean imagine even mike uh you know widmore and uh mr paik teaming up to return to the island right and you know having paik industries uh quasi funding some of the return to the island uh or even mr paik you know assembling what resources he still has after sun's takeover uh and he and widmore both being on the island with connections to the smoke monster, you get Mr. Paik literally on the ground in a way that is much mm. more compelling than Zoe and Seamus. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I feel like that would have been really fun to see. But yeah, so no matter how uh, ubiquitous the role may be, seems like Desmond is Winmore's right hand man, right? His number one guy. Uh, but that also includes doing these like random day to day deeds, like looking after a junky rock star so your mu- wife doesn't get mad at you about missing a charity event. Day to day deeds is a great name for a podcast in which every single day it comes out and you've watched the show or the movie Mr. Deeds. Oh, uh, or the, uh, alternate that with the show 100 Deeds for Eddie McDowd, which was very much like my name is Earl, but with the dog. Oh, God, I gotta get out of here quick. <laughs> I watched everything in the Earl verse, okay, Josh? Why is this Desmond's sideways universe where he is uh, he's living the, that commitment free life, no attachments ah, to be young uh, and to be uh, so celebrated by Charles Widmore. Was this really one of the big hangups for Desmond, even after he and Penny hopefully go on to live many, many years together, all of which will be with the definitive knowledge that Charles Widmore is dead uh is this still going to be something that he is obsessed with on his way to the next phase of existence it's a good question and maybe it just shows that with trauma which i will say what desmond experienced with charles winmore multiple times was trauma for sure that sometimes as much as you try to therapize yourself and push that away to embrace what you do have in your life like Sometimes it's living in the back of your head, right? It's like living with a wart. Uh, it's not harmful to you, but it is certainly a cosmetic blemish that will not go away anytime soon unless it has proper treatment. So this might be entirely unconscious on Desmond's part, but I agree. It's an interesting choice that Desmond has essentially eschewed all the happy stuff that he ends up ending his life with in order to be, it's very much like a monkey's paw wish almost of like, Oh, I wish Charles Winmore would respect me. But now in exchange, you have no family, you have no friends. All you know is work. And Charles Winmore gives you awkward hugs. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that that, I especially think that point about, uh, trauma is not linear. Uh, I think is, mm. uh, is a, is a really good point. Um, all right. So Desmond is going off on uh, babysitting duty he goes to the police station. Charlie Pace is released. Uh, and then Charlie just, he's given a, a bag of his stuff. He drops it. Uh, an LVP point to Charlie for littering. Or to heroin for uh. <laughs> landing on the ground. Well, we, we should make a note, Josh. There's there's a famous face who is alongside Charlie as they walk out of the courthouse. Who's that? Survivor, Cook Island's fourth place 
finisher, Sundra Oakley, is that right? plays the lawyer. Uh, yes! Sundra Oakley lost. Oh my god, yeah! Oh, I, I feel like I knew this, but for whatever reason, had forgotten. Oh my gosh! Yeah! Sundra! Sundra! And luckily there were no fires to start. Oh my god. Otherwise she'd be SOL. Well, I'm glad that in her sideways universe, uh, she has a, a high-powered job as a lawyer, uh, and uh, probably isn't thinking about the fire-making challenge every single day. You know, it is interesting in the Flash Sideways, there is a, uh, there's a firm that she's a part of. There's only four of them, but they are like, they're the real underdogs in LA, but they get the case done. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, the, it's what, Oakley, Quan, Lust, and Lee yes. is the, the firm. Yeah, we love that. Uh, Charlie leaves Sundra. I too love that. Uh, I too love that. Uh, Charlie leaves, uh, the I too one. <laughs> and walks across the the U.S. one. I don't know. Uh, walks, <laughs> sorry. Drop the four. Keep the... Uh, Charlie goes across the street. He goes to a bar called the... Is it the Jack's Bar? No, I think it was... I think it's called like... It begins with a J. I want to say it's like Jeb's or something. Yeah, Jeb's. Let's go to Jeb's. And Charlie's going to go and order a oh, drink. Oh, is this a Flash Sideways Jeb Bush bought yeah. a bar in LA? Get away from it. Uh, Desmond's gonna follow him. He's gonna go to the bar, and he will have what Charlie is having, and uh, a very memorable conversation will occur. Let's listen in sound number four. Yeah, I'll have whatever he's having. One drink. Then we go. So what's your job, then? To babysit me? What are you? Mr. Widmore's chief lackey? Henchman? No title? Plenty of bucks, though. Hmm. Such as? I get to meet so many people. Well, cheers then. Tell me, Perky. Are you happy? Quite. No, you're not. Well, I've got a great job, lots of money, get to travel the world. Why wouldn't I be happy? Have you ever been in love? <laughs> Thousands of times. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spectacular, consciousness-altering love. <laughs> Do you know what that looks like? I wasn't aware that love looked like anything. I've seen it, mate. On the plane back from Sydney. Is that so? Well, we were on the same flight, so... Maybe I saw it too. Trust me, you didn't. Oh? Enlighten me. Who's this woman? Two rows in front of me. In handcuffs. Same as a cop. He looked at me. Knew I was holding. If I didn't take action, I'd be caught. So I got up, went to the left proceeded to eliminate the evidence by swallowing my stash. And at that exact moment, we had turbulence. I choked. The entire bag of heroin was stuck in my throat. It's, uh, it's over. Everything starts to go dark. I'm slipping into the abyss, and then I see her. beautiful and I know her we're together 
It's like you've always been and always will be. This feeling, this love. And just as I'm about to be engulfed by it, I open my eyes and this sodding idiot is standing there asking me if I'm okay. But I saw it. Just for a moment I saw what it looked like. Well, that's just poetry, brother. You know, you should you should write a song about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're saying. Poor suicidal rock star. But I've seen something real. I've seen the truth. You know, that's not the truth. You want to know the real truth, Pace? Right now you have a choice. You can keep on drinking, or you can come with me. Now, before you make your choice, realize that if you stay here, it will very likely result in the extermination of your musical career. And if I go with you, 20 minutes, you'll be luxuriating in a five-star hotel, right on the harbor front. Charles Whitmore, one of the most powerful men in this town, will owe you a favor. Doesn't really seem like a choice. It's always a choice, brother. So there's a lot to get into with this scene, obviously, but I think... We have to start at the beginning because Josh, you made a note of this when we watched the episode you together. Can't, when you hear it, you can't unhear it. The the uh, the music at the bar is so awesome. It's so great. It's just this uh, unbelievably uh, on the nose. Uh, quick, uh, we're gonna need uh, we're gonna need some very generic country music in the back. Okay, whipping it right uh, up. Yeah, let's roll in B.B. King's great grandnephew and just have him play something. So it doesn't need a melody. Doesn't yeah. really need any sense of rhythm. Just just twang out some chords. This so we not, have to. Am- this is not sideways DJ Dom, uh, but maybe maybe uh, it's a it's adjacent. Uh, I don't know mm, who okay. that is. Well, let me let me bring up an idea here. First, of course, it would be Kimi uh, for our oops all Kimi's theory. But <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about like which characters have we seen play guitar, and I remembered. Those delightful behind-the-scenes videos that came out a couple years ago, where Naveen Andrews was plucking away. So you think this, this is bit- sideways Saeed's uh, country music career? I I think honestly it could have been. Like Fine. I think after his time in the Republican Guard. He's like, my life must go in a different direction, yes. and so he's like, he tried a country music career. Great, Great. love it, love it. That's Saeed in the background uh, playing the music here at the bar. Unbelievably great. Uh, <laughs> I love that. But he have to change his name, though, because I feel like the country music audience would be like, all right, your name's uh, Sam Jera. I mean, instead let's of not Saeed brush the entire country music audience. We don't know. That's true. Uh, you know, but uh, no, I'm going to say no. This is just straight up Saeed. Saeed Ways uh, is going to be uh, the Saeed Ways guitar. And we love to hear it. Um, all right, so that's the guitar piece of it. You should just go back and listen to it. I would love to, if somebody could clip it out, but I don't think it's really doable. Um, Charlie's great here. Dominic Monahan, especially, is really great here. Dominic Monahan, we're together. Is uh, he's so good? You realize, you know, obviously, seasons four and five were 
fantastic television, but I think you forget how great Dominic Monaghan is until you have him back. Just like everything he brings to the scene is great between the punchiness to Desmond, right? Calling him perky uh, to just like the seeing right through to the core of the truth of being like, yeah, you're not really happy. Uh, and this idea of finding consciousness, altering love, uh, and then obviously dropping a bomb that is going to be huge for the rest of the series about that him waking up through this sort of like near death experience uh, was not only due to sort of crossing over to the other side, as it were, though in this case it was in reverse, but seeing Claire. You know, Josh, I think my grand unifying theory about the Flash sideways and their choices to wake up is that what makes them wake up is the the most important thing that happened to them on the island is the thing that makes them wake up. Uh, and so in this case, I mean, it makes sense for Charlie, right? Claire was his number one greatest hit, uh, getting to meet her before he died. So I think it would make sense then, the thing that is sort of uh, living rent-free in his head as he departs the island ends up becoming something to launch him back into that consciousness. I love the choice in character as well. You know, no offense to Boone and Shannon and Anna Lucia and Libby, but we talked about this back in season three, how monumental it was to lose Charlie. And so I think it's interesting that the first person to at least vocally unlock, you know, these memories that they have is the person that we most, whom we most associate with death, you know, considering the entire onus of the flash sideways. I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think the most important thing being the thing that, um, wakes them up, um, in, instead of just necessarily being like their human constant, uh, yeah, I'd like to that, track that. I mean, is Sh- is Shannon's death the most important thing for Saeed that happened on the island? I don't think quite. Um, it might it might be though. He might he might end up coming back to it. Uh, you know, like for example, uh, John Locke's not soulmates with his feet, despite what some corners of the internet might want him to. No, uh, but figuring out that he was able to walk again was enormous, uh, restorative yeah, exactly. in so many ways. Uh, so yeah, and there, Kate, there's, Kate, there's there's there there. For yeah, sure. Kate seeing Claire give birth to Aaron, yeah. a huge moment considering the role that he plays and fundamentally changes her for three years. I like that. I like that a lot. Um. So Desmond is being a real stinker, though. Uh, he's not ready to to get on board quite yet with all of this. But he is once they drive off the pier. A choice they make together, it should be noted. Uh, because- so, well, uh, so I have a couple of options here. Yeah. So we know that slowly but surely over the course of the rest of the season, characters are going to kind of collude together, right? Like when uh, Hurley gets Anna Lucia in on everything near the end of the series when Hurley gets Boone to get fake beat up so that Saeed can save Shannon. Is it possible Charlie woke up the spirit of the Dharma van, which now resides in the car, and he got the car to drive itself into the ocean? Um, sure. Okay, because my other one was Charlie has three hands. <laughs> It's a third hand. He's reaching down. <laughs> I thought that it was because he's the bloody rock god, and mm. Desmond uh, has stones in his shoes uh, that he uses to fill out the rest of the shoes, so he can wear bigger shoes than he actually needs as an intimidation tactic for his business meeting. Who the hell would so do he that? Loads up his shoes. 
rocks. Why would you put, you put like maybe rocks. tissue paper? No. Why rocks. would you put rocks, rocks around rocks. your foot to it's, pad out your shoe? It's sadomasochistic, Mike. He doesn't feel good about what he's doing, so it's uh, punitive. Yeah, it's the exact opposite. Again, making a reference to Die Hard, right? Of like mm. taking off your shoes and curling your toes yeah. on the carpets, get yeah. used to a place. So he stuffs his shoes with rocks that his little toes go up against as he sticks. He's got small feet that he puts them in big shoes that are filled halfway with rocks and so charlie the bloody rock god as we've established all the way back in season one Mm -hmm. capable of uh tectonic feats of strength uh is using those powers here in the sideways to uh you know super powered uh super poweredly push desmond's foot down on the accelerator you know I really like to hear Hashley's sound I still like sound the off. third hand. I love the third <laughs> yeah, hand. Yeah, which, which theory do you like more? Third Reincarnated hand. Dharma van, third hand, or Desmond putting up rocks <laughs> in his shoes to project a false image, and said rocks were then weighed down by Charlie's rock god powers? I'm, I'm voting for Charlie has a third hand. Uh, I, lo- <laughs> I love One more idea. arm to shoot up. Yeah, I love the idea that he's grabbing the wheel with both hands, and then with his third <laughs> arm... <laughs> Which, like, comes out of his belly like Quato. Yes! Uh, he just, like, slams down on the accelerator. I'm in. I love it. Three, so, uh, third eye, bl- third arm blind? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Wish you would step back from that ledge, my yeah. friend, and drive into the ocean. <laughs> uh, we're, we're so close to the end of the show. We're can so close. I can smell well, it. Let's, let's, let's jump from one theory to another. So Charlie is obviously going to drive this into the ocean, and as Desmond tries to rescue him, he puts a hand up, and we get the flash of not Penny's boat. It's a great moment. So it's, a, it's a fantastic moment. It's seminal, because this is the first time we see the art of someone actually wake up, right, with like the gold tinges and the montage and everything. The question is, how much did Charlie know? about all this right like again we're gonna get this later on where some people like to arrange very specific circumstances to get people to wake up charlie had like a momentary wake-up thing with claire but was there some sort of i don't know general impulse with desmond feeling like okay if i if we go underwater and i hold my hand up to the glass maybe that means he'll it'll wake up something in him um maybe i think it maybe instinctively right like i think there could be some you know that sort of uh destiny draw that seems to be happening for a few of these characters um i don't know about intentionally intentionally is a little harder for me to wrap my head around because if it was intentional why wouldn't he just tell him everything he would say desmond it was you and me out there on the island uh don't you remember any of that i feel like charlie would be would be coming at Desmond a little bit harder that way. Uh, maybe it could be a thing, though, like he's getting Desmond's, he's reading Desmond in the bar, right? Like he's telling this Claire story and Desmond's really no-selling it. So he's like, and I don't think he'd remember everything. He, it might just be one of those things of like, oh, I had a dream and you were in it, right? Like, oh, I, held, I, I remember holding my hand up to this window and you were the other one staring back at me. And maybe he's just floating this out to see how Desmond would respond and he realizes, okay, we really need to do this the hard way. It just, it's just interesting that like the motion he does is so deliberate, right? The fact that it seems like he's not really knocked out uh, you know, Desmond ends up swimming around to the window, and that's when Charlie decides to put the hand up. Again, might be completely coincidental, but it just seemed incredibly deliberate that it just makes me question it. Yeah, um, but it's it's a big moment. 
and Desmond is able to rescue him and pull him out. But they both need to go to the hospital. And this is where Desmond is going to be uh, put in the MRI machine. He's going to be interacting with two technicians who we've never seen before. I hate myself for even suggesting this, but considering they are two of the technicians that plug him into the machine that zapped him here in the first place, Mike, should this be Zoe and Seamus? It's definitely a question. I think another one that I had in mind was uh, the Daniel Faraday's girlfriend, right? His lab assistant who ended up testing on and she died as a result. Yeah, I I think Teresa could have been interesting. Maybe even have her fall down the stairs as she's chasing after Charlie and then back up the stairs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Up the stairs, down the stairs. That That could be good. Um, it should have been someone, I feel like. But anyway, it's not. Uh, so he goes in the MRI machine, and this is when, when it starts going on. He, the, you know, there's the whirring of the electronics. Yeah, and also, and here's, here's another one of those, like, we get in moments, right? Like, oh, I see you don't have an emergency contact written right. down, implying you have no friends or family. Yeah, you seem to be living the life, Mr. Hume. Uh, and so he, we get this great shot of him in the MRI machine and just, like, tight on his face as his eyes are huge as he's experiencing all of, uh, all of the life that he lived before he died uh, and seeing Penny and seeing Charlie even and uh, baby Charlie. uh, And it's just, it's really beautifully done. Uh, It's one of my favorite shots of the final season is Desmond Mm -hmm. in the MRI machine. Yeah. Especially because like it is, it's simultaneous confusion and joy, which is going to be a lot of what we see from all these characters waking up, right? Like the initial confusion of, what the hell is going on? I don't remember these people to finally coming around to it and realizing, oh, oh, okay, now I've sort of like come into it fully. I think Henry and Cusick does a fantastic job considering his physical impediments. Like you said, it's just in on his face. And I know that the face is the moneymaker of Hollywood talent, but still it takes an immense amount of talent to be able to produce that. I mean, there are also some, some little callbacks here, though, too, right? Like, he's given a button, a panic button to essentially hit it, but if they hit it, they have to start all over again. So, lots of really fun callbacks there, as this becomes a waking up moment for Desmond in many ways. Yeah, really, really, really great. He needs to find Charlie, so he goes on the search. He runs into Jack at the hospital, and yeah, so they we, have, we, like, we should note here that the he has to get an MRI, and the doctor even tells him, you can't look for anybody until you get an MRI. It seems like he bailed from the MRI and received no negative repercussions for it. No, he ends up just kind of uh, uh, noping out of the MRI. And they're like, oh, I guess he's fine. Uh, and so he sees Jack and they have a quick moment of, oh, my God, you're the guy from the flight. Uh, and then the other guy, he's here. He was also on the flight. And it's Charlie and Charlie runs away. Uh, he's just wearing the gown totally naked underneath. And that's how he's going to escape out into the world like a true madman, Mike. Yeah. Yelling. None of this matters. Very much Hurley-esque to me. Right. Hurley-esque, just like when, indeed. when Hurley makes his escape and just yelling random things. Now, Desmond's going to give chase. We get a little bit of like Jason Bourne moments here as, mm-hmm. as uh, Desmond falls down the stairs and up the stairs trying to track Charlie down. Yeah, so he tracks Charlie down, not Charlie Brown, uh, and he follows him <laughs> all the way. Ah! <laughs> ah! He follows him all the way down, and uh, the following conversation occurs. Sound number five. Why are you running? Because no one here can help me. Now let me go. Why did you try and kill me? I didn't try and kill you. I was trying to show you something. You want to show me something? Show me your hand. What? Your hand. Show me your bloody hands now. You saw something, didn't you? In the water. What was it? What are you looking for me? 
Who's Penny? I don't know. Oh. You felt it, didn't you? I didn't feel anything. Huh? Then why are you accosting a man in a dressing gown? Right, come on, where are we Whoa! You think I'm going to go play at a rock concert after this? This doesn't matter. None of this matters. All that matters is that we felt it. You want to try and stop me? Look. Hey, where are you going? If I were you, I'd stop worrying about me. Start looking for Penny. This doesn't matter. None of this matters. It's all that matters is that we felt it. Just tell me a better way to describe the flash sideways than that. Yeah, uh, probably not um, too many better ways. I mean, it is it's basically the argument of don't think too hard. This is emotional. And I, yep. I, I you know, I'm doing a bad job of, of keeping that front of mind during this, you know, very important pivotal stage of the Down the Hatch podcast. It's a good reminder for me as well. Yeah, and I think it's just a great reminder to the fans of like, none of this is real. The The logistics here don't matter. All that matters is that, in this case, Charlie's talking about we felt the premonitions, but more so like, it's also, I think, a larger talking about the series, right? With the inevitable argument of mysteries versus characters. This is a really big argument for the character side of things. You know, what happened to us doesn't matter. All that matters is that we felt it and it impacts us on a character level. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that it's, it's, that's what they're aiming for. It doesn't always work, you know? Right. It, it doesn't always work, but it's definitely what they're aiming for. And so I, I appreciate that coming from Charlie. And, you know, it's, it's a good reminder and it's a great ambassador for the argument um you know we we got you know we talked this through in the season four premiere um when hurley is giving you know he's going to have the emotional argument that wins a lot of people over because he's talking about charlie uh Mm. how can we not trust charlie charlie was the one who said we can't trust these people i'm trusting my friend uh so who are we to not trust our friend charlie pace here uh in this whole argument about what matters and what doesn't yeah, exactly. He's no longer season two, Charlie. Okay, we can trust him. We can. We can trust him again. Uh, so Desmond is going to... Uh, he's on the phone with Widmore. Widmore's pissed. Uh, he says, this is... It's just a bloody concert, Charles. Yeah, uh, and also Charles... I think Charles Widmore also showing his true colors a bit by being like, oh, yeah, man, I'm so sorry you got in an accident, but how could you lose him? How could you lose him, you dummy? Uh, so this is like the old Charles is starting to show up. Uh, if you think it's not a big deal, why don't you go tell my wife? Uh, so he sends Desmond off to the concert venue, uh, where, oh, we didn't really spend a lot of time in this that I thought it was really funny when Charles Widmore goes, my son has this amazing idea to combine, get this classical rock, uh, classical music with rock and roll. Uh, can you even believe that? And Desmond's like, somebody's never heard of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, brother. Maybe that doesn't exist in the sideways. Yeah, there's no Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Uh, but but you, Daniel, Daniel Woodmore could invent it. That could yeah. be his new thing. Yeah. I'm kind of getting into Christmas music, and I kind of want to <laughs> start a band called the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Imagine him wearing a Santa hat 
above the fedora above his head oh my god emily fox listening in once again just got a text message tso um all right <laughs> let's go to the concert uh and let's have desmond and eloise meet for the first time i think a pretty chonky sound number six coming our way chonk away Please tell me, how is it that someone in your line of work is not aware that the butter knife is placed handle to the right, blade facing left, just so? For God's sake. Mrs. Whitmore? Yes. My name is Desmond Hume. I work for your husband. Oh, of course, Mr. Hume. Charles has told me so much about you. It's a travesty we haven't met before. No, it's about time. Well, the feeling is mutual, Mrs. Whitmore. Oh, please, it's Eloise. Eloise. So, uh, what crisis forced Charles to send his best fix-it man into the bowels of charity balls? (coughs) Well, Eloise, um, I'm deeply sorry. But it appears as if uh, Drive Shaft won't be able to perform alongside your son. And uh, I take full responsibility. Don't worry about it. Excuse me? Oh, my son will understand. I suppose if one employs so-called rock stars, certain unpredictability comes with the territory. <laughs> uh, you're not angry? Oh, not at all, dear. What happened, happened. Thank you so much, Mr. Hume, for coming and telling me in person. A pleasure meeting you. And you. Uh, center that flower arrangement, please. Have a good evening. Thank you. Lifer, Stephanie, plus two. Marky, Mary, plus one. Milton, Penny, Solo. Pepper, Nicholas, plus one. Excuse me. I'm sorry, um, did you just say Penny? And who are you? Um, I work for Mr. Whitmore. May I see the list? You absolutely may not. That list is confidential. Begging your pardon, I'm entrusted with confidential items. Are you questioning me? No, I just want to look at one name on that list. And if for some reason that's a problem. Come with me. Everyone, now. Look, I'm I'm sorry if I've overstepped my bounds, but Stop I just talking, Hume. I've heard what you've had to say. Now you listen to me. I want you to stop. Stop. Stop what? Someone has clearly affected the way you see things. This is a serious problem. It is, in fact, a violation. So, whatever you're doing, whatever it is you think you're looking for. You need to stop looking for it. Do you you know what I'm looking for, Mrs. Grimaud? I don't know why you're looking for anything. You have the perfect life. On top of it, you've managed to attain the thing you've wanted more than anything. My husband's approval. How do you know what I want? Because I bloody do. I need to see that list or you need to tell me why I can't can't because you're not ready yet Desmond 
ready, ready, ready for what? <laughs> there are a few things. There are a few things that I'm loving right now. Yeah. Uh, chief among them. Uh, let's. I'll, I'll try and do it chronologically. Uh, the way that Eloise drags the the wait staff for not knowing where to place the butter knife. How could you stupid morons? The <laughs> butter knife goes blade out, you idiots. And then uh, she has to go forward and do it all herself because she's like, oh, these low-wage morons do it myself. It then the other thing, thank you! Has a totally different meaning for oh me boy. now in oh the context boy. of last week. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, no. Can't get that out of my head. Uh, so I have to share that with everybody else. Uh, it was to the point where I was going to burst out laughing as you were playing the sound clip, which would have been bad because there's an echo effect and uh, we don't want that. Yeah, just um, be like mirrors looking at other mirrors. That chortle would just echo throughout all of time. Mirrors upon mirrors. Um I don't love this though, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, I'm. It's not my favorite thing. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the. Uh, you're violating the rules. All of this stuff that is so connected to Desmond and time travel that feels it. It just feels a little bit. It feels a little bit tricksy for the sideways universe being the afterlife uh and that she uh is talking about it in this way that really does feel much more sciency you know what i mean right um, i don't know do you have a different feeling on this it's hard for me to explain it other than i just it feels a little cheap to me it's on the nose and then some right to the point where eloise tells desmond it's about time which, again, is like the right. thesis statement of Desmond Hume's character, uh, basically. And she even says, what happened, happened. So, like, I do think this is a bit more of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge than a lot of these other sideways scenes, especially in this episode. Though, it also doesn't help that we had the man in black say, last episode, whatever happens, happens. Like, uh, you know, and maybe, maybe find one opportunity to use that phrase and not do both of them. I think what I really appreciated about this is that this is an ep- the, a scene that is such a microcosm of the Desmond-Eloise-Hawking relationship, where when Desmond approaches her initially, even though she is a, a meanie to the waitstaff, like, she's very kind and cordial to Desmond. We're like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. Oh, it's fine. We don't need them. It's all right. And then as soon as Desmond, I guess, sort of deviates from the path, as it were, and tries to get closer to Penny, assuming in an effort to wake himself up, Eloise turns back into the now give me the sodding ring from flashes before your eyes. And so I do like reprising that a little bit. I will say it brings in some, a lot of questions, right? Because Eloise, I assume, is someone who woke up off screen. We're going to see her next in the end where she's going to be like, please, you know, don't let my son go. I want to stay with him a little while longer. So it's sort of like the anti-gin. Uh, right. So, uh, yeah, I, it's it's odd just that we have to sort of connect the dots in this case, even though it's she's supposed to represent the same type of thing of like a character that knows more than the other characters and is trying to steer them away from something. Yeah, uh, I I hear all that. And I and I do love it in theory that we're getting more Eloise in this way. Um 
it just it feel it feels once again this and i think it's really this in in conjunction with where we're gonna go next i think like it may be good for this conversation to get there now um that makes it feel like we're trying to convince the audience that this is that there's some alternate reality shenanigans going on here absolutely yeah and it just it does it does lost and and fiction generally uh and certainly serialized fiction can be very mindfully manipulative and i think Mm. if the end results um justify it i'm ready to be a lot more forgiving of it um but i think also the path has to be uh mostly enjoyable and since the path here isn't always terribly enjoyable and and often meanders in in ways that aren't terribly fun for me i think i'm a little bit less forgiving of it ultimately but i think we get this in this next scene when desmond is drinking in the limo and uh minkowski is asking him where to go next and daniel widmore not faraday daniel fedora day with his hat uh shows up needing to talk to desmond and dan who's great by the way and i'm very excited to spend some time with him here in this coming scene um is going to talk about uh, a lot of his very classic Faradayisms that ultimately are not really going to matter too much to the mm-hmm. end game are going to matter mm-hmm. very much to Faraday as a character and what he's processing. But where is, you know, is, what's the extreme value of that right now? I'm not so sure that, that it, it, it outweighs, uh, some of the the substance of it i don't know i'm having a hard time articulating it but i think that this coming scene in conjunction with the way that eloise has talked about the sideways just now is really trying to push you into thinking of this in sci-fi terms when it's it's not it's something that's much more of a feeling than an an, than an explainable phenomenon so i don't know those are those are my rambly thoughts right now it's i don't disagree with with parts of that right that the fact that we are calling back to very important relationships with Desmond on the show, but those relationships were inherently grounded in these sci-fi concepts of, of time travel and consciousness altering. Consciousness altering love, I guess, is the subtitle of the constant. So, yeah, it maybe is almost too much of a leap for someone to be like, okay, but now she's talking about something that's not with time travel. I will say the scene itself is also, the Aloise scene, I should say, is a little clunky uh just all that language about like someone has clearly affected the way you see things this is a serious problem it is a violation it's just odd language to use i guess my read of it is that for maybe pseudo selfish reasons eloise hawking has woken up and wants to keep the reverie of the flash sideways for as long as possible and so she wants to prevent people from waking up because she knows once they do, there's a greater chance her son is going to leave her. That's a lot of conclusions to draw. But yeah, it's odd that she refers to it as a violation. Yeah. That Desmond's looking for Penny. Yeah, it's a violation. Um, it just doesn't feel totally right. Anyway, he's going to be able to find Penny, thanks in no small part to this champ who's going to be showing up, Daniel Fedora Day. Let's listen in sound number seven. Look, uh, Mr. Whitmore, um... Dan, please, call me Dan. Mr. Whitmore's my father. Dan, um, look, if, if this is about Charlie Pace not being able to perform with you, I'm... I'm very sorry. Do you believe in love at first sight, Mr. Hume? <laughs> Excuse me? First time I saw her was walking through this museum a few weeks ago. She... she works there. She was on her lunch break. Shooting a chocolate bar. She has these incredible blue, blue eyes, red hair. 
And as soon as I saw it, right, right in that moment, it was like, it was like I already loved her. And that's when things got weird. That same night after I saw that woman, I woke up and I wrote this. I'm a musician. I have no idea. So I took it to a friend of mine at Caltech. He's a math whiz. He said, this is quantum mechanics. He said, these equations are so advanced that only someone who'd been studying physics their entire life could have come up with them. So... So what do they mean? Okay, imagine... Imagine something terrible was about to happen, something catastrophic. And the only way to stop it from happening was by releasing a huge amount of energy. Like setting off a nuclear bomb. You want to set off a nuclear bomb? Just listen. What if this, all this, what if this wasn't supposed to be our life? What if we, we had some other life for some reason change things I don't want to set off a nuclear bomb Mr. Young I think I already did listen mate um, I don't know what any of this has to do with me so why did you ask my mother about a woman named Penny you too, didn't it? You felt it. I don't know. I don't know what I felt. Yes. You do. You felt love. That's impossible because I don't know anything about this woman. I don't know... I don't know where she is. I don't even know if she exists. She is... She's an idea. No, Mr. Young. She's my half-sister. And I can tell you exactly where and when you can find her. Desmond's inner monologue throughout this entire scene is something along the lines of... For five minutes, could you not be yourself? For five minutes! Just saying, like, dear weirdo Daniel Faraday, I'm picking up what you're putting down eventually, but for five minutes, could you just not be yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I do love this for Daniel Faraday. So I want to be clear about that. Like, it's a great Daniel Faraday scene, and I and it it's kind of emotional to be thinking about how he he gets he's one of these people who in the sideways is to some extent at least getting to live a life that's a little bit more his what he would have wanted if he didn't yeah, just get driven he, he, to the island he was able to make time right like he wanted to play piano ever since he was a kid his mother wouldn't let him for various reasons and now he gets to 
Widmore and and Hawking are pampering the shit out of uh, out of Daniel, and with good reason. He really earned it. Uh, you know, he gets to he gets to just rock out for the rest of his afterlife. Literally, and I'm and I'm happy that he doesn't just move on. He should be allowed to chill here for a bit. I think for sure. Uh, and so I love I love this. I love I love him talking about how um, he thinks that he blew up a bomb. Like he's still even in this world. Like he's still gonna Faraday. And I think that that's a great testament to the soul of the character too. He's just yes. always questioning. He's always questing. Uh, and I and I think that that being even underneath. Um, him being allowed to do something that he just genuinely wants to do rather than something that he's forced into doing, that those qualities about Daniel, those characteristics are still intact. So I love all of that. I just want to be so clear yeah. about that. I well, love all on, of that. Before we get into the negatives, let me add on to that, that Daniel Faraday has always been a broken person, right? Like he has always felt, even when Charles Winmore ends up visiting him, he like basically grouses about how something's wrong with me. I can't remember stuff so well. And so I think, like you said, it's very inherent to the DNA of the character to be like, I don't know how, for some reason, I think I set off a nuclear bomb. Like there is a bit of like a self-effacing attitude that while we love Daniel Faraday for being quirky and for being so heady about a lot of these things there is a lot of inner turmoil that goes on with the character that i think unfortunately as much as he might be in his shangri-la here in the flash sideways there's still a part of that that remains and probably was awoken even more so uh once he sees charlotte yeah uh i i i like that stuff i really really do uh, and I like Desmond being here to absorb it. I feel like they've had such an interesting relationship, Daniel and Des. And for uh, for Daniel to be the one who's talking about some of the emotional content and helping the process of waking Desmond up to that is also very thematically compelling as it connects to um, Flashes Before Your Eyes and The Constant. In hmm. those ways, I really do appreciate Eloise and Daniel's roles uh, in, the, uh, in this episode. But I do, again, think that the show is trying to remind us about the nuclear bomb and keeping that front and center. And, uh, you know, what if all of this wasn't supposed to be our life? What if we did something that changed things? Um, I get that from Faraday's perspective that he would be hung up on that. Um, but I feel like it's included in the show to get us still thinking that there's going to be some convergence of this fractured reality that was created that I don't think did the show favors in terms of its initial impact and its initial run uh, and some of the responses to that when it happened, you know, as as this huge twist at the end of the show. And I think that while a lot of it still, uh, while a lot of it ends up working well for me in the long run, because I think that the characters are the sauce, you know, of the show and the emotions and the vibe, that those are the things that make Lost Losty at the end of the day um i do feel it's still it's just it's manipulative in a way that i don't think that the vast majority of the show is for me anyway uh and so i don't i don't love that stuff and it, mm. it still makes it a little hard for me to fully um to fully take this episode uh as uh as happily ever after as it, as it lands for for many out there in the in the um in the dth audience no, it's it's a good point. I, you know, I can't say I completely agree, but I think when we talked about the onus of the flash sideways, right, we had come in with the assumption of, okay, this was caused by the nuclear bomb, maybe splintering off towards this alternate timeline, uh, when that very clearly wasn't the case, as we find out more about, like, what everyone's lives are, you know, what they were doing in Australia before the plane, etc., 
And that being said, they remain purposely vague about the Flash sideways as a world. This episode does a great job of clarifying some stuff, but at the same time, like you said, it doesn't help that they remind us of like, oh, we might have changed something to cause this to happen. It ends up being a red herring, but it's like a big-ass fish flopping around over the course of this scene. And so I can absolutely understand that this serves as maybe uh, emblematic of the larger grouses that people had with the ending of the show of like, you duped us the entire time. This wasn't what it was supposed to be. While I think that argument is largely false because we do have these incredibly emotional moments like we just spoke about, when you do have to sort of shoehorn in some stuff about the nuclear bomb may have caused this. It doesn't necessarily help that case. Yeah, uh, for me, it, it really doesn't. Um, but then this happens. Uh, Desmond goes to the stadium where he himself had been doing the tour de stade back Ugh. in the season two premiere. And now this time it's Penny. Yeah, uh, and it, it's it's really... This shit lands. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's symbolic for so many reasons, though. Again, it's not just as surface level as like, oh, this person maps onto this person. So let's remember this was the stadium where Desmond and Penny had their last conversation before he went to the island, right? He has to get his honor back. There's that conversation. But this is where he also met Jack Shepard. Right. And Jack Shepard, even though he just met him early in the episode, that's someone he's going to risk his life for to, to save him in the end of the day. Uh, and so I do think it's an interesting location that I think lives rent-free in Desmond's mind and would make sense as to why he would assumingly put Penny here. Yeah, I I love this so much. I think that this is this is such a great scene. Um him him reaching Penny and the moment that they shake hands, him waking up, no sound, nothing yeah. like that. He's just on the ground on the island, very constant. Yeah, it's it's like waking up from a dream almost, it's, it's right? It's beautifully done. It's really really beautifully done, and I love that this is the this episode is in many ways the end of the of the of the Flash's constant trilogy. You know, because mm, so mm-hmm. much of it has the flashes before your eyes structure of you're just in this different place for the vast majority of it. But then you have this moment of snapping back to reality in the way that the constant was doing this in sort of almost a horror movie quality uh, th- through so much of the constant before it becomes this romantic epic at the end of it. Um, you know, the, the danger of living in two times. Um, there's the, the just the sound free transition back home uh, is is really, really smart and elegantly done um, on, on a structural level. I think it's really impressive stuff from the final season of Lost. Absolutely. So when Desmond comes to uh, he is very different. He is Chipper Charlie. Uh, I think Charlie's nickname of Perky to him earlier really applies in this moment where Desmond is. Actually, you know what? I'm going to call him Zenmond. That's who he is at this moment. He is absolutely Zen to everything. Right? He's like, oh, I understand what you're doing now, Charles. When do we start? I'm game. Right. Yeah. He's he's great here. Uh He's going to end up being way too trusting of people and maybe mm-hmm. should be like thinking a little bit harder than he is. But it's hard to blame him because he's super blissed out. Right. You know, <laughs> he's he's just, whoa, dude, you know, I know Kung Fu. You know, he just got plugged into the Matrix. He's the one. He's the one. And so he's got all of that in his head now. Uh, and when he comes back here, he knows uh, that he has to do something very important because he's fighting for this beautiful 
place. Uh, you know, he's, you know, he, he's living in this other world. Uh, and you know, there's, there's something, uh, there's something out there that he wants to get back to. Uh, and, but not in a way where he is, uh, you know, he's, he's terrified of where to go next, uh, or desperate to get back there. There's just relaxation about it. It is really for the first time other than when he reunites with Penny in, um, in the first place. Uh, you know, it's probably it's the Penny reunion in the constant is there's some measure of peace there, but there's still something that he really, really has to struggle to get back to. Mm-hmm. Then there's the end of season four when he literally reunites with, with Penny is the one where he's probably the most euphoric. This is the moment where we've never seen Desmond at peace in this exact way. Right. Now he gets to say, I'm OK. And he really means it. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, because because he's has he has seen you know the the other side in a manner of speaking. You know, it's very much like the OA. I don't know if you've seen the OA. No, Josh, just a but, little bit, not enough, not right, enough. But there's this idea, not to go into into too much of it, that like near death experiences allow you access to this other realm and make you sort of special and more enlightened in that regard. And we see it from both sides here, from both Charlie and Desmond, that now Desmond feels absolutely fine with whatever happens because he knows what's on the other side at this point so yeah i'll go with faraday i mean i'll i'll go with charles winmore yeah sure i'll go with you saeed uh, right. it doesn't matter right because here comes zombie saeed who's just gonna shoot all of these people he lets zoe live uh this is after uh zoe uh, asks desmond uh whatever happened how did you become mr cooperative all of a sudden uh, a lot can happen in 20 minutes uh and saeed shows up he tells zoe to run off he tells Desmond, come with me. These people are extremely dangerous. And Desmond says, of course, lead the way. Uh, you're Saeed Jarrah. You're my buddy. Yeah. Yeah, it's this my- weird mirror moment, funhouse mirror moment, where, again, these two were incredibly important to each other in the constant. And here you have them reuniting, but they're both... We talked about this a bit at the end of the package, right? Like, they're both in completely different spaces. Right. Uh, both of them are sort of influenced and maybe pseudo-possessed by otherworldly ideals that they really are not the two men who saw each other on the Kahana back in season four. No, no, they're really, really not. Um, so let's close out the episode now that Desmond is with Saeed. We'll follow up that lead next week and everybody loves Hugo, but there's still some business to attend to here in the sideways. The final sequence of the episode, Mike, sound number eight. Hello, you okay? What happened? Well, I shook your hand and then you fainted. I must have quite an effect on you. <laughs> I, I, you must have. Have we met before? I think we'd remembered it if we had. Yeah. Well, as long as you're sure you're all right. Yeah, I'm fine. Hey, listen, um... Would you like to go for a coffee? What now? I'm a sweaty mess. I just fainted in front of you. I see we're even. <laughs> There's a coffee shop on the corner of Sweetser and Melrose. I'll meet you there in an hour. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha.
So, did you find what you were looking for? Yes, George, I did. Corner of Melrose and Suiza, please. You got it. And if there's anything else I can do for you, Mr. Hume, you just name it. Actually, there is one thing, George. Can you get me the manifest for my flight from Sydney? Oceanic 815. Just the names of the passengers. Sure I can. Do you mind if I ask you what you need it for? I just need to show them something. Oh my God, it's happening. It's he's happening. He's awake. He's, he's awake. He's going to pull the old Hurley, get the manifest out. Desmond a, Hume is woke. He's got a coffee date and everything. I know that you're a big fan of the Sonia Wager giggles, Josh. Yes. Not, not, I'm not as big of a fan. Oh, I uh, think it's so cute. I love it. <laughs> I think it's, but yeah, but there's that, but she like takes a step turns around, giggles at him, and then walks away. It's a cute gesture of all this. The whole thing is really silly, and there is maybe a piece of her that's sort of sensing that this is a thing. So it's like a little bit of insight into when they were happy, I feel like. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's really, really I, magical I think it's just, I think it's just random camera work, in my opinion, of like the blocking necessarily, of having her take two steps, stop, turn around to just giggle, and then walk away is a little I think it's a odd great to choice me. as an actor, actually. I, it's, that's my feelings. I think it, I think it's like, let me put a little bit of a button on this moment of what this this quirky little guy on the ground. Who is that? What's why do I feel so connected to him? Ha <laughs> uh, so, ha. I think it's great. On that note, because I know this has been debated a bit. Did Penny wake up in this moment? I don't think or, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. I no. mean, maybe maybe she's not uh, as big of a character enough to get her own montage but i'm that's what i'm going off of from now on These to determine when people dudes are waking up no problem uh but uh the ladies are their standards are a little higher uh yeah. taking them a little bit longer although libby is going to be uh awake before hurley uh or like they're kind of not both yet awake until the kiss and even then i think it's they're they're still slowly getting back into it um but i don't think so i don't think i don't think that the i think something probably happens over coffee you know, because mm. uh, we don't ever see a further Desmond waking up Penny quest. Oh, it could, uh, it could be if he loads something into the back of her car. That's when it happens. Uh-huh, right. Coffee beans. Crates of yeah. them. And for some reason, he's <laughs> like, oh, she's like, oh, yes, I'll buy all these coffee beans for my mother's, uh, my stepmother's event. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, this is, I mean, listen, Henry and Cusack and Sonia Wagger kill anytime they're in a scene together. It is quite literally a meet cute. If she doesn't fully wake up, at least this is sort of like you said, this this cosmic coincidence of, uh, I have a feeling that you are a random stranger who found me working out and asked me out. And while that might, nine times out of ten, I would say no. For some reason, I should trust you here. Uh, currently on uh, Melrose and Sweetser in Los Angeles. I'm on Google Maps looking for the cafe. Uh, there's Duff's Cake Mix. It's the Charm City Cakes. Yeah, Duff as in Duff, the cake guy. Could you imagine if they went there and like Duff 
creates i don't know well, <laughs> i'm pretty sure <laughs> i'm pretty sure duff made a cake for the 100th episode of lost wow. i think i think uh, they, they went to charm city cakes for that oh is that right charm yeah i'm pretty sure there was city an episode cakes. about it uh lost it was this an easter egg for that uh ace of cakes uh on may 9th 2009 the television show ace of cakes uh, a reality show that chronicles a Baltimore specialty cake bakery called Charm City Cakes aired an episode titled Lost in Hawaii. In this episode, Jorge Garcia calls Charm City Cakes and orders a cake to celebrate the 100th episode of Lost. Great memory, Mike. I, I, I don't know why I pulled this out of my ass. But yeah, for some yeah. reason, I have that memory of like the cake. It's a, it's a, so I believe it's a very a- obvious shout out then. This is very clearly about that. Yes, and so it's... Uh, or should it's, we you not know, be mistaking coincidence for fate? I don't know. I, I do believe the cake itself is the island, but they made like little fondant figures of all yeah. the main cast members to Very go around good. it. Really, really, really good, Mike. Um, he's awake. I need the manifest. There's something I need to show them. In the real time, this was so awesome. Uh, yeah. In the first watch, this was such a great moment. It's still a pretty good moment, uh, you know, of him being like, I got I gotta get everybody to see what I'm seeing right now. This yeah. stuff is dope. No, I mean, it's really fist pumping because, like I said many times, like this is a marked shift. You know, someone seems to know what the flash sideways is and is now on a mission to tell other people. You spoke about this a bit when we were doing the live watch. What do you make of the choice for it to be desmond of all people as opposed to maybe someone like charlie who has more of a personal connection with these other a15ers well my big issue is um desmond doesn't have tight relationships with a lot of the 815ers i feel like he has some tight relationships with a few of them but he's not chummy with everyone so why is he so invested in waking them up when really if i'm desmond and I've been dead for some time, and I get to spend some time with my loved one who, you know, uh, is also deceased. I think I'm hanging out with them. Uh, like, all due respect to the people that I was on that one flight out to Fiji that one time with, but I'm <laughs> hanging out with Emily, you know? Uh, that's what I'm doing in this world. Uh, so it's a, m- maybe for me, I, I don't fully understand Desmond being the one, but I think that you brought up a good point. I believe that you were the one who said, well, he brought them to the island, you know? Yeah. It was him not pushing as, the button. As he said in the season two finale, I, I think I, I crashed your plane. You know, it was him not pushing the button that crashed them there. So thematically, I think it really works that if he's the one that gathered them to the island, you know, Jacob is coming in late trying to steal the credit. Uh, but, you know, Desmond not pushing the button is uh, is is just especially because we as far as we know, Desmond was never touched by Jacob. Right. Uh, we never saw that. Uh, so Desmond is the one who is summoning them all to the island by breaking the plane in midair by pushing, uh, not pushing the button um, that if he brought them to the island, I think it's nice that he brings them to the next place. Thematically, I like it. I just think probably for me, it makes a little uh, it, it, it. I just don't know why he's not just hanging with Penny for the rest of this. He's got his whole eternity to hang out with Penny. Like they're going to go to the church. Might as well get the. It's it's like doing some errands, right? Like let me check these off my list, and then I can go spend time with my loved one. Uh, and so get get the hard work done. But yeah, like you just mentioned, I, I think it's a really fun idea that he was the one that Jacob obviously brought them together on the plane, but he was the one that brought them to the island in a way in the first place, which is going to be 
again, the whole onus behind this flash sideways is this is the most important time that they'll spend in their lives. And so to have him sort of be the, the, the harbinger of that, the one to bring them all together, to have it happen here, I think is very fun. Also, you know, uh, no offense to John Locke slash John Loki. I do think Desmond is probably the most connected at this point to the spirit of the island. And so I think it makes sense that he is most connected now to the spirit right. of the flash sideways. I think that that's right. Um, though when you bring it up like that, I feel, I feel like John Locke being the person in the sideways to wake up and bring everybody together while John Loki is trying to tear it all down. That oh, could have been interesting as well. That would have been super interesting uh, and would have saved us the displeasure of having John Locke get hit by a car. Yeah, that's next week. But that being said, then maybe it robs us a little bit of that moment in the finale where John is, is recently woke and he stands up out of the chair, which is among the best parts of the finale. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, all right. We're going to get into the 4.2 stars. We're going to get into the feedback, the MVPs, the LVPs, the whole thing in just a minute. First, we will throw it to our sponsors for this episode of Down the Hatch. We will be right back. All right, Mike, uh, let's do this. It is the 4.2 stars for happily ever after uh and just looking at the scores for this episode um i actually don't think that i there's not a single 4.2 uh despite people who really who really care about this episode as far as i can see uh it goes as high as a Mm. 4.1 but i see no 4.2s so it makes me feel a little bit better about my score um i i ultimately landed at a 3.8 for happily ever after i still think it's a really good episode and it's very emotionally affecting yes Um, i think it's it gets pushed out of the fours for me by the island stuff which i think is mostly trash i think i think the island stuff is trash um and so you know with the constant we talked about this a little bit of you know there's very limited island content in that one but i think the island content in that one is if not really good then at least definitely not trash and i think that the island content here in happily ever after is bad it's not good it's actively bad so it's gonna keep it out of the four range for me um and then i think a couple of the ways in which i feel like it's a little bit tricksy it's really trying to to get you in this place for a reveal that your expectations are set up for a thing that are you know look over here look over here which is the show's right to do you want to surprise the audience but i feel like it's maybe in a way that is not like deeply earned um by my standards i'm still just struggling with it i'm sure i could hear an argument for it that would make me feel better about it but i'm just not there right now regardless performances are so great dominic yep. monahan rocks in this one jeremy davies oh, rocks. So sonia walger rocks in this henry and cusick totally crushes it and shout out to my boy fisher stevens <laughs> uh you know everybody's oh, so yeah. good everybody's so good in this one uh and oftentimes that is the decider for me so I ended up at a 3.8 for Happily Ever After. I like it a little less than some of the episodes that we've talked about um, so far this season. But I think that this is, you know, a, a pretty good quality marker for the majority of where we are for the rest of the season. Yeah, so that's how I determined my score was I sort of compared it to the rest of season six episodes. I agree. Definitely out of the fours. Uh, again, it's far from a perfect episode of Lost due to that on-island stuff. And like I said, uh, the, I think the writing could have been stronger 
in some ways, especially when we are underlining over and over and over again how sideways Desmond is different than the real McCoy. So I gave the substitute a 3.8. I think I like this less than the substitute. Uh, I like LAX gets a 3.7. I like this a little bit less than LAX. Lighthouse gets a 3.6. I ended up giving Happily Ever After the same score. Yeah. Even though I think I like Lighthouse the episode better, I would say that's a high 3.6, and Happily Ever After is a low 3.6. Like you mentioned, and like I talked about with Abiturno, Lost Season 6 has had its moments where it's made me feel something, but they've been a bit scant compared to all the seasons that came before it. Happily ever after, I did feel stuff. Uh, It's due to the great performances and a lot of this great emotional content that's starting to culminate in the waking up process that will get en masse in the end. So I ended up going with a a 3.6 at the moment. On the scale of Lighthouse, and still in my top five episodes of season six, might remain in my top five episodes of season six before the end. Yes, uh, I think that 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 sounds right. Uh, The audience score, the average ended up being a 3.8, which is where I landed as well. Between that, your 3.6, my 3.8, which is funny because I think that you liked this episode a little bit more than me. Uh, and I end up with a higher score, but I think that that's reflective of the of, of our grading. I know you're just here. grading on a curve. You're the yeah. nice teacher. I know. Uh, so happily ever after ends up with a three point seven two, which is just shy of LA SpaceX, which has a three point seven four right now. Uh, but it is top four, baby. Happily ever after in fourth place, ahead of Lighthouse. I think it will hang out here for a little while. Uh, I don't yeah. think it'll hang out here all season. I think it will. It will move. Uh, I think. That that there, are, there is certainly one episode that will go above it, um, and potentially two, I think. Maybe next week's. I don't know. We'll talk about next week. Um, all right, let's get into some feedback. Riley loved the episode. Uh, Riley uh, genuinely loves it, uh, knows it's flawed. I don't think Riley submitted a score. If Riley did submit a score, uh, we didn't uh, account for it. So I don't know if, if Riley was a, was a 4.2 or not, um, but had a few points of defense for uh for this one uh this is from riley it makes the flash sideways seem to matter to the main plot with desmond actually getting to go there and arguably it helps set the stakes of the sideways being important in a new way you get the sense here just how important this place is the faraday red herring is egregious but i still think this episode helps in my case with starting to connect with the flash sideways a little bit more um riley continues uh this episode starts to give the sideways some purpose going forward it doesn't just Mm -hmm. feel aimless now there's clear direction with what desmond is doing and his mission here in the sideways i'll say mike that that pays off really well next week next week the sideways also feels important um and that's a good feeling that's a really really good feeling um three from riley uh riley says this episode gives weight to desmond again as a character it makes his journey through seasons two uh uh, through five have more weight to it um he's always had this faded doomed quality with the island and he's a character the audience is super attached to uh no other character could fill this role the way that desmond does and i really love the season six desmond story Story. Um, and uh, the saving Desmond part of the finale is vital because we're super invested in him and Desmond getting back to Penny uh, and with his tie to the island with his powers. It feels right that this role is given to Desmond. I like that, Mike, uh, that there is a lot of um, the Desmond in distress energy of the finale, that he's the one who needs to, he, you know, he's the one who's tied to the, tr- the train tracks and needs to be <laughs> saved. Uh, so I think starting the process of setting that up here, I think, is uh, is is pretty good. Riley also loves the of charlie here uh how could we not the charlie and desmond dynamic is nostalgic for riley in the best way possible same z's i definitely agree yeah Um, so on that note i know that that riley has been a fervent defender 
against my supposition that I have not been a fan of the Desmond season five and season six storylines. I always felt like, okay, I'm fine with him and Penny living, for lack of a better term, happily ever after. I will say after watching this episode, it's a good episode uh, that maybe pushes it back against my idea a little more. I would say the whole Desmond in distress thing is is good maybe not to someone with high functioning anxiety like myself who just wants to see characters live a happy life i don't want to see them get drawn back continuously again and again i will push back a bit on how uh it feels like the the right it feels right that the this role was given to desmond concerning that i think he made a pretty interesting case josh about how maybe in a different world john locke would be that type of person or maybe even charlie himself i think desmond makes sense but i think he could be one of several for lack of a better term, candidates. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Uh, Fitzy uh, loves this episode, and this is the one where the sideways starts to get really, really good, he says. He says, it's just nice to be back with Desmond and Charlie. I think the biggest scene for me that stands out as well is the one between Desmond and Eloise, because she's fully awake and probably has been for some time, and her reaction to Desmond gives me chills every time. She's in full panic mode because she's afraid if Desmond or anyone else from the island is around Daniel, she might lose him. It's why she's totally fine with Charlie not showing up. She was probably already planning on messing it up somehow. Um, I do like that. I was, I was thinking, Mike, because Eloise clearly is awake here. Uh, this is the place you all created together and such. Um, Eloise, as far as we know is still alive at the end of lost do you think that eloise helps hurley and the hurley era create this place is that why she's awake ah uh, it's a good question it honestly might have been like her Doesn't seeing matter. her son that yeah. brought it all to life i don't know i'm still in the really tragic camp that i think there's a chance eloise hawking ends up committing suicide uh at the end of it all once uh, ajira ends up taking off uh, just because, like, that's the culmination of her essentially being a slave to the timeline. But I would imagine Daniel would be the one that woke her up, right? Whether it's like her, unfortunately, remembering when she had to shoot and kill him. But yeah, she's uh, she's wide awake. T- to Fitzy's point, and I don't disagree that like this is where the Flash sideways really starts to shift into another gear. Would the Flash sideways have benefited from this episode coming earlier? in the season to all of the understandable complaints about how the flash sideways in the first, however many eight or eight or nine episodes is just sort of them kind of treading water and introducing who these characters are in the flash sideways. If we introduce this concept of waking up more so towards the beginning of the season and have that hanging above our heads, as opposed to like, why are we having Kate and Claire interact when she's still a taxi? Uh, you know, why is Saeed shooting Martin Kimi? Does that help things at all, or do you think this is the proper place? Um, I think that in the world where the season has to be as long as it as it has to be, and that the sideways is going to be included no matter what, I think it's an appropriate time because we're now entering the final act of the season. Um, you know, this episode really does mark us. Uh, this is this is the end of Act One of the two act final season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we go to intermission after this, and then we pick back up next week with the future leader of the island, her. Early, uh, making choices and bringing all of the characters back together. Um, so in terms of that, I'm fine with the placement here. I 
will continue just beating the drum of this should have been a shorter season, but we didn't live in the world where that was a thing yet. So, you know, we should, you know, at least I'm able to extend uh, leeway to the season uh, to a certain extent uh, that it's, you know, it, it would be better if this was an eight episode final season. Um, mm. it, it just, it was never going to be that. We're lucky that we got a, a final season that was able to end on its own terms at all. Um this is from Daniel Brennan, uh, who's defending Charles Widmore. Daniel Brennan oh. says, Widmore's motivations start to make more sense. At this point, he seems to fully understand the threat the man in black poses to the rest of the world. With that said, such confidence in this episode makes me all the more frustrated with his sales pitch to Sawyer back in Recon. If he knows the stakes, why is he not more concretely aligning with the candidates in the war against the man in black that he predicted back in the life and death of Jeremy Bentham? Yeah, and I did just watch The Last Recruit where he... He, uh, you know, he citizen arrests the whole candidate lineup, basically. Uh, yeah, so. that's a good, good point as to, like, why is his the world will end if you don't do this pitch to Desmond? Why doesn't he suggest that to Sawyer? Is it just because he has a relationship with Desmond that he feels like he can prey upon? You'd imagine when he runs into any and every candidate, he's like, no, you have to stop this guy or it's the end of the world, please. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I'm not ready to give Widmore a pass yet. We need to finish out the Widmore story uh, first. Uh, Down Servo coming in uh, reports one dude in this episode brings us to a total of 280 dudes. We're at 280 dudes. I think, yeah, we're gonna, I think, I I think, think Hurley had crack like 300. We'll crack 300 oh, yeah. by the end. Well, Hurley had like th- three lines in this episode, so even throwing a dude in there is a pretty good ratio. Uh, this is this uh, Down Servo's uh, biggest pet peeve in the whole show exists in this episode. Uh, this is from Down. He says, I love the conversation between Desmond and Daniel. It really sets up the idea that the bomb actually created a separate timeline, and that's what the sideways is. It's a great conversation, except for during Desmond and Daniel's conversation, Daniel refers to Penny as his half-sister. As someone who has five half-siblings, this drives me crazy. It feels so clunky. I don't refer to them as my half-brothers or half-sisters. I just say she's my sister or he's my brother. I'm very confident that most people are the same. I've talked to other people who have half-siblings, and they never refer to them as half-brothers or half-sisters. They just say sister or brother. Uh, so it always just annoys me when Daniel says she's my half-sister, because no one really talks that way. The only defense that I've got is that no one really talks the way that anyone talks on Lost. No yeah. one really says I'm Eloise. Yeah, you know, Daniel like- <laughs> Faraday is not, should not be taken as like, when you pick someone off the street, they talk like Daniel Faraday. Yeah. It's also, maybe it is it, I get it. I do. Is it a natural calibration though from everyone saying you know when they talk about jack and claire being brother and sister like well actually technically they're not they're half brother and half sister is it them trying to like you know uh take care of all those nitpickers stuff yeah i think so covering their bases but i get why this would be annoying for uh for dallin um one more from Eric Divestein. Uh, in the Flash Sideways, does Charlotte eat chocolate at all times because Daniel never caught her as a child eating chocolate before dinner? I uh, think she owns a chocolate factory. Yeah. Charlotte. Uh, she's Charlie. Charlie and Charlie the chocolate, chocolate factory. factory. It happens. It's it real. Happened. That's great. Good for her. Fizzy lifting drinks and all. Um, one last one from Jim Fells. Uh, Jim had limited time to write about this one. Jim said, this episode is magical and it's all I have time to say. Uh, also notes that Desmond has a new theme that's going to stay with the show for the rest of yes. the series as in his video he basically talks about how in the beginning of season six there was like a coincidence 
theme, uh, a la Arrested Development Season 4, that would play every time these characters met up in the Flash sideways. Essentially, Desmond's new theme is now going to replace that, and it plays 36 times through the rest of Season 6. Yeah. Um, Well, we want to give a big shout-out to Jim Fells, who is a name that should be familiar to everyone from Down the Hatch, because we've been uh, shouting out his incredible music analysis all series long. Uh, This is no exception that there is a great video for Happily Ever After. Uh, But a shout-out to Jim Fells on the arrival of his new son, uh, who was born November 15th, Goo Goo Gaga. We've got a new baby in the Down the Hatch family. a new turnip head. I love it. Uh, So congratulations to Jim and your whole family. Uh, Fantastic news. We hope everybody's doing great. Um, Okay, let's do the MVPs and LVPs, Mike. You've got three MVPs. I've got two. You've got three LVPs. I've got two. Uh, We went across the board on the MVPs. No one person getting more than one point. Yes, if there's one person that would get more, I think it would be Desmond, but so so much love to give in this episode. That being said, I am going to start by giving Desmond a point. Henry Cusack continues to show why you center episodes around him because he's just such good of an actor. And from the Desmond character himself, he's got a new mission and he's going to be incredibly important to how the show moves forward. I'm going to give an MVP point to Penny for waking him up uh, and being awesome. And I love the giggle. And for accepting a date with a random person that you just met while being on a run. She was just so charmed by him. She couldn't help it. There's this feeling of we've known each other our whole lives. Uh, I love Penny in this episode. Well, then let me give a point to someone else who wakes Desmond up, Charlie. Uh, I think when we sort of think about season six, obviously we remember Desmond waking everyone up. But I do think there's a little bit of a Mandela effect in that Charlie is really the first person to wake up and is able to sort of cross over to the other side and inspire Desmond, sort of like the Socrates to his Aristotle. And so I want to go back to the cave and uh, give one to the bloody rock god here in Charlie. Um I, I would I would have given an MVP point to Fedora Day if not for the fact that you're going to do that, right? You've got an MVP yeah, that's, point that's, for that's Daniel. Yeah, that's the other sort of guiding force in his place, yeah. Uh, so Daniel's going to get an MVP point from Mike. Uh, I'm not going to let uh, my boy George Minkowski escape without an MVP <laughs> point this episode. He just drives Desmond around anywhere he wants to go. He'll hook him up with absolutely anything. Do you think there's at one point, like, while he's waiting for Desmond, that he gets to ride a Ferris wheel? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a really wonderful moment. He's very happy. And it wakes him up, in fact. Oh, that's the Ferris uh-huh. wheel wakes him up? Yeah. Um, all right, LVP points. Uh, I'll just spoil all of mine, because uh, I've got three. I'm just giving them to the to the full Widmore crew uh, from, uh, from this episode. That's Charles himself, Zoe, and Seamus, uh, all three of whom, just the, the, the sheer act of being on screen uh, should be enough. To, to explain this one. Understandable. I'll pile another one onto Charles Winmore just because his Flash sideways version is also kind of a dick. We end up finding out, right, where he doesn't even care about Desmond's safety, more so that he lost the bloody rock star. And I'm going to give another LVP point to his boo. I'm going to give one to Eloise Hawking, uh, not because of how fresh she is to Desmond, but also... Look, we are in an understandable reckoning in the service industry these days. People are mass quitting due to, you know, uh, incredibly low pay, uh, bad health benefits. Eloise Hawking, do not mistreat the help, okay? Yeah. Uh, they, they are the ones that are standing underneath the structure and allowing you to thrive in the way that you do. Please do not be that person who ends up yelling. Especially when she knows they're dead people. Yeah, 
That too, like, okay. You're horrible, you, Eloise. This, You're this is your version person. of heaven, and you have to be persnickety about the place settings, Eloise. There are much bigger fish to fry. Totally agreed. Um, all right, Mike. That's happily ever after. Next week, everybody loves Hugo. We got the Hurley episode coming up. Yeah, I don't remember a lot about this one. Uh, is this a big Derwood Spinks episode? Is he showing up for a good amount he's of it? Not, he's not showing up. Um, he's not in it. Uh, there is some Jacob, but it's the boy Jacob. Mm. Um, there is the illusions, Michael, of Jacob, uh, but not an actual Jacob. Um, this is the one where Alana's gonna die. We'll oh, yeah, Alana. this is the one where, uh, Hurley blows up. He, he pulls a, a move straight out of the Dark Knight, Josh. He blows up the Black Rock so that nobody can get to the dynamite to blow up the Ajira plane. He's gonna blow up the Black Rock. We're gonna find out what the whispers are, which I don't think i hate the way that i used to i really mm, don't i feel okay. like I, I have found my peace with the whispers and i actually think it's kind of nice um i'm still mad about how they treat alana i'm i feel more solid than ever that justice for alana uh is a thing <laughs> and she, like all the way to the end her biggest crime is putting her bag down too hard that's it that's it that's the only thing she does wrong uh, she just puts her bag down too hard, but otherwise she's like even in the, the her scene where she doesn't die next week, she's gonna be like very empathetic and kind and nice. Like Alana's a good person, uh, for the most part. So anyway, uh, there's gonna be Pierre Chang is gonna show up and he's so ill. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> see Libby again. We're gonna go mm-hmm. on a date. Uh, we're gonna get to to go to Mister Clucks one more time. Um, I really like next week's episode. There's maybe a few things that are a little fishy about it, but I think that next week's episode is a I, I maybe hot take. I think it's as good as this one. Uh, oh wow! I think, I think that they're about the same quality level. Is my feeling. Um, so I really I love everybody loves Hugo, or at least I really 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 like. That's the that's the episode that I like. Uh, <laughs> everybody loves Hugo. Coming next week, it's gonna be fun to watch. We're gonna do uh, we're gonna be recording that on November 24th. So you got to get your feedback in by the 20th third down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com your comments about the episode plus your ratings uh your 4.2 star ratings for the episode as well the live watch is going to be november 22nd mike let's call that 9 p.m eastern let's just let's just lock that in change it up for this week uh, we'll call it 9 p.m. Eastern. I've got a podcast conflict on Monday night, so I'm not going to be able to make 8 o'clock work. I will make 9 o'clock work uh, for sure. Uh, so join us 9 p.m. Eastern uh, for Everybody Loves Hugo in the Posha Recaps patron discord at the $5 level. Price of admission is $5 for a bunch of lost live watches. We think it's worth it. Uh, so consider signing up patreon.com slash post show recaps to support the podcast uh, and all the things that we're doing in addition to Down the Hatch. There's the Bloom Files, Mike, your X-Files podcast. Yeah, I'm doing that. Uh, we just finished up season seven, which was one of the last ones where David Duchovny was prepared in a major capacity. We are starting the run of Robert Patrick yeah. uh, on the show, which is weird because I was just watching a video on Terminator 2. And so he's just been living in my head for the past week or so. So you're in the yeah, dogged era. Exactly. We are, we're watching the first two episodes from that. I haven't seen it yet at the time we're recording. So I'm very intrigued as to what exactly this means, whether or not I'll like this guy. So yeah, TBD, but check that out this weekend. TB Doggett. Um, cool. So that's all going on. You can find out what else Mike is doing at a Mike Bloom type on Twitter. He'll be sure to tell you about all of the amazing things he's got going on, whether it's Survivor or other reality TV coverage, the B&B, 
all the incredible things that Mike Bloom is doing, including perhaps at some point in the future, a Heroes Season 1 rewatch. Uh, <laughs> yes, I had a know. vision, a la Hero Nakamura, <laughs> I travel forward to the future. I've had the Heroes theme like stuck in my head, the uh, I can't get it out. Uh, I don't know. We'll do see. You, do you create your own eclipse every time you sing it? Every time. Every time. I stare straight at it, too, which is bad oh, protocol. No. Yeah, really, really bad for my eyes. Uh, all right. We'll be back next week. Everybody loves Hugo. Until then, everyone, take care. Bye-bye. Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-two, four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-two, four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-two, four, eight, fifteen, sixteen.